Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, episode number 62. I'm almost ready. Where's the fucking bourbon? (laughs) (laughs) Right on. That's what it's all about. You better get ready for Freddy. That's how he raps. Hey, Brady, did you figure out, like, from, I don't know, 10 episodes back, where the quote of, uh, there's four letters in my name, Rod. Did you finally figure out where that movie was from? Or that Christian, line was from? Christian, up yours with a twirling lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> he says the sweetest things. Yeah. Yes. A Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective has begun. We're doing parts one through four tonight. Yeah, we're doing four other ones next show. <laughs> yeah, and I guess we should mention that Freddy versus Jason will not be part of this retrospective. We are going to put that as part of the Friday the, the third yeah, the Halloween retrospective. <laughs> Fred, why not? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're doing part of the Halloween. <laughs> we're going to put it in the Friday the thirteenth retrospective later on this year. Hi, everybody. This is Christian, your favorite Exploding Heads co-host. <laughs> Opening the show, of course, was Dave Z, and over here, Mister Jokes himself, Chuckles. We got Brandon O. Beautiful, nice intro. What are you auditioning for the new host position? <laughs> no, no, he, I know, I know what he's doing because that guy. You listen to that that guy on YouTube. You listen to the the criticism of that dude that listened to our show and yeah. Watson and some other show, and he says, "Well, I don't know who these people are." <laughs> they never introduced themselves. <laughs> they didn't introduce themselves. The best part is he thought that our names were somewhere on the opening gets on with that backwards talking shit. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> He, I know. I think he thought that he was supposed to decipher what the sounds were in the opening music. If you play it backwards, it says our names. We should go. You love the show. You are going to donate to our Patreon. More than one dollar. That's all it says, but backwards. Oh, yes. So, yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. Before we get into it, Dave, what's new with you? <laughs> well... I'll tell you what, I think my lack of presence online is, uh, is a blessing. <laughs> it is a blessing. It, it's great. It is. Cause I'll tell you what, I've been so busy these last nine days. I didn't watch TV for like six days, zero, nothing whatsoever. The only time I went online was, you know, five minutes a day max. And that's when I'm, you know, on the shitter to be, to be honest with you sitting down. Cause other than that, I'm working, 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 shopping, moving, just, Nonstop, right? But I'm here. I'm in my my, my new house. I'm I'm as happy as I could be. I, I've had a three year nightmare that came to an end. An Elm Street. Uh, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> and I have a renewed love of this series, and that's why I wanted to wait until I got into this house because I knew I'd be in good spirits because of uh, you know everything we talked about last year with the slasher shows and how much I loved part one again. And I uh, said, Let, let's do it. It'll be the first retro we do when I get in my new house. When was that going to be? We weren't sure. But <sighs> it finally happened. I'm free. I'm liberated. Life is great, man. It's been it's been a long journey. Well, we're glad to hear it. And for those of you out there that are maybe tuning in, maybe for the first time or whatnot, Dave is recording from his new basement. There's no picture on the wall. So that's why you're hearing a little bit of a, a, a maybe a little bit of an echo. All I see is a barrel of lime. A container of lime or something like that. I'm not too sure what that's for, but it's fucking what do you call it? Uh, trioxin? Yeah. 
<laughs> a barrel? <Yeah. laughs> U.S. government. This is the greatest stuff you got. <laughs> but it's, anyway. this time it couldn't have been better because we wanted to do this franchise. And Dave said, no, I got to wait. It's got to be the first franchise I watch when I get into my new place. And so it happened. And we're yep. proud to present the Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective. Woohoo! <sighs> and I feel great. And I feel great about going into this. Yeah, I wish I, I could talk for 10 minutes about everything that's happened to me over the last three years, but I'm not going to, but it's going to be a long show. Maybe some other time. I'll tell you what. Tune into the last Banana Laser episode. And that goes back, I think it's episode 55, the last one we did, because you even hear me talk about then how I had some financial uh, things going on. And that was way back in, geez, December of 2015. And I was talking about how May of 2015, I went to uh, New Jersey with uh, with Matt and Alex to go um, to the, uh, the convention and hang out with them. And I had financial trouble then, and I almost couldn't go, and Matt was going to loan me the money, and I was thanking him on the show. It was emotional. So we're talking 2015. And then even Skeleton Crew comes up again. The last episode I was on, part of the reason of me having to leave there was because I had so much shit going on mentally and financially and everything. And that was February 2017. So back then I thought it was almost at an end. <laughs> and now it's, what are we, in June? So a year and a half later, almost, a year and whatever you want to call it later, it's finally come to an end. But this has been 2000 freaking seven. Unlike this story. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is the short version, though. This is the short version. 2017 was my worst year. I was worse off than ever in many ways with things that have to do with my daughter, my, my personal life financially, other stuff going on with two different lawsuits. And it's all settled, and I came out on top of both of them. So – Onward and upward, and I'm very happy to, to be alive and to be here. So, Perfect. oh, wait, Matt and Alex are both on the other line. They say, Where's our fucking money? <laughs> <laughs> I'll hang up on them. <laughs> the check <laughs> is in the mail. <laughs> yes. So, we're here. So, I think we should get into this retrospect. Oh, damn it. We had an email. I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you guys about it, too. I, I, I've been, like I said, I've been so busy, but it's, it's a quick thing. It's a quick thing, and it has to do with, um, Retros. You're the retro. So Perfect. You're the franchise. You're the franchise. <laughs> At least I didn't call it slasher. At right? one point, you'll get that right. I will. <laughs> I don't, December, I'm banking on. Oh, okay. Real quick. Here we go. This is from the Ram Man. Abraham Ram. Salutations. Let me start off by saying how much I am loving the year of the franchise. Based on the Phantasm and Evil Dead shows, I can already tell that this will be your strongest year thus far. You three have such a great chemistry, and it's refreshing to hear a podcast where people actually seem happy to be recording with, with one another. What a concept. Anyways, <laughs> I particularly wanted to give you props on episode 59. You guys had an interesting top 20 list, and I thought you'd get a kick out of mine, so here it is. So boom, I'm going to read the Ram Man's top 20. Quickly. 20. The Devil Rides Out. Wow. Yeah. He loves Christopher Lee and he loves that. And yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. What an interesting list he has, too, because it's all over the place. 18, The Blob, the original, 1958. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What was 19? I, I thought I missed 19. Creature, Creature from, from the Black, Black Lagoon. Oh, yeah, my God. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Number 17, Amityville 2, The Possession, right on. Number 16, Christian's Favorite, The Descent. 
(laughs) (laughs) Number 15, Final Destination. Number 14, yeah, Drag Me to Hell, which I have to watch again this year. Uh, Number 13, Nightbreed. Very nice. Number 12, Evil Dead 2. Beautiful. Number 11, (laughs) The Conjuring. Nice. Yeah, number 10, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Yes. Wowzers. Number nine, Krampus. Wow. Number eight. I want to talk to Krampus. <laughs> it follows. Number seven, It from 2017. Nice. Number six, yeah, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, number six. Number five, Get Out. Number four, Clickety Clackety, The Witch. <laughs> number three, John Carpenter, The Thing. Beautiful. Number two, The Exorcist. And number one, Hellbound Hellraiser 2. Wow, man. What that is very representative of a lot of great, great years. Isn't it? It's all over the board. It's new stuff, old stuff, really old stuff, and brand new stuff, and stuff in the middle. It's you don't usually <laughs> see that. Well, I know you're laughing, but you know what I mean? No, no I know what you mean. Like old stuff, new stuff, and stuff in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> That's exactly. no, I li- no, I like I like yeah. it. And two eighty two flicks. Because we are doing that 82 show at some point. And he had Amityville 2 and The Thing. And 217, no, 2017 flicks. Still, it is all over the board. That's Strength in modern horror. Is yep, yep. Right on. So thanks again for bringing humor, knowledge, and perspective to all of us. You guys are the best. Best regards, the Ram Man. P.S. P.S. How much is it going to cost to finally get you guys to do the Gilmore... Yeah, the Guillermo del Toro retrospective. <laughs> I thought you, I thought we were doing the Gilmore Girls <laughs> or, the, or the Gilmore Girls. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> we're doing that on Twenty Two Shots. Yeah, we do have to do. I thought we said we were going to do a del Toro, and then we kind of branched up. It might have to be next year. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Right. Unless somebody jumps up on the Patreon and, and joins on that level and makes us do it, but hopefully it is next year because this is the year of the franchise. See, I said it right. You know, um, you know what? Uh, a shout out to Ram Man too, because I think he now started a new page for his reviews. He did. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I think it's called Ram Man Reviews. No. Well, that's pretty straightforward. So look for that, everybody out there. Yeah. Ram it up your ass. <laughs> reviews. <laughs> Ram it up. That should be a thing. Probably that don't. Be... Maybe don't Google that. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Google that. Uh, no. No. Or Google it. I, I whatever. <laughs> With a twirling <No>. lawnmower. <laughs> what he should do, what he should do, is have a rating system. And if he his lowest rated movie should be called "Ram It Up Your Ass," right? Yeah, maybe well, people derive pleasure from that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you never know. <laughs> maybe that'd be the highest praise. We're gonna give us the "Ram It Up Your Ass" award. <laughs> that could be the highest right. praise. I mean. Maybe for me, not so much, but, you know, branded 10 out of 10. The other guy on uh, whatever Christian's other show is. The other guy, Vince. Great. <laughs> the other guy. Another other guy. He calls you the other guy, too. It's funny how that works. I know works, he right? does. I know yeah. he does. Oh, that's great. Oh, you know what, though? I was thinking ramming up your ass was bad because, like, here it is. This is... <laughs> when we did Banana Laser, we used to say, peel it back or stick it up your crack. So that that's why I was thinking, you know, ram it up your ass, stick it up your crack, same thing. The Friday, the Friday the Thirteenth guys are really getting hot and bothered right now. We should probably switch <laughs> subjects and move on. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable! 
Okay, Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984, written and directed by Wesley Craven. Four teenagers are stalked and killed in their dreams and thus killed in reality by Freddy Krueger. The teenagers are unaware of the cause of this strange phenomenon, but their parents hold a dark secret from long ago. I actually took that from Wikipedia. I kind of liked the the way that flowed better than the uh, IMDb. Yeah. Description. <laughs> yeah. I, there's I, more I to be I... said, but no. I, evidently, <laughs> no is, uh, is the answer. You know, when Wes Craven hits, he fucking delivers a Grand Slam home run. You, you know, I'm I'm glad you're you're saying this because I I want to I want to say you know what? Very few directors are batting a thousand percent and you know i hear people saying all the time that west craven is overrated bull fucking shit i don't care even if i'm just judging him on nightmare on elm street and scream they're two fucking amazing films and he's a master of horror in my book yeah well you gotta give him the credit and then with you know with last house on the left and hills of eyes from the back catalog yeah i didn't even go back to those you know, he's got so many great hits, you know, even even his bad films are enjoyable. I'll take his bad films over other people's. And that I will agree with. There, there it is, because his bat shit crazy films are so watchable because they're bat shit crazy. And I yeah. know this is not focused on Nightmare right now, but just as a little historical uh, talk on, on Wesley Craven, as you put it. Uh, the Hills of Eyes <laughs> 2 Jeremy. is such a crappy sequel. It's enjoyable because it's so bad shit. A dog has a flashback, right then and there. It's a home run, batshit crazy uh, movie for me. Deadly Friend, I think, is a bonkers, crappy movie, but I love watching it. Cause yeah. It's so, Shocker, another one, crazy, but highly enjoyable in its craziness. I agree. Yeah, yeah but don't forget about Last House, the original, and and, and Hills Have Eyes. The, well, well those are the classics. That, those are the classics. I'm talking about the the ones that would be right. I would consider quote unquote misses are right. still highly entertaining for the the whacked out factor. Where's you know what? I, I, as I, call it. I even thought my soul to take for the French for the for the franchise show. Fuck! Now I'm reversing it for the slash <laughs> for the slasher show last year. I didn't think it was that bad. It's not that bad. I I actually kind of enjoyed it. It's bad shit crazy again. Yeah, but, it, yeah. but, but it's enjoyable. I've never seen The Ward in its entirety. i got to check that one out. That's oh, Carpenter. That's Carpenter, yeah. All right, so uh, then... Uh, <laughs> fuck you you never saw a Red Eye in its entirety. you got to check that out. How can you not see? It's like an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> Christian seen Brown Eye. <laughs> in its entirety. <laughs> He's turned a few brown eyes into red eyes. No, I turned them into white eyes. I bleached the shit of them. I get right in there again, like I'm cleaning right. tile grout. With a, yeah, like tile grout. <laughs> All right, are we getting back to Nightmare on Elm Street? I'm sorry, guys. We're, we are off the rails. That's okay. You gotta we be know. Old. We know. I, we blew our load a little bit on the Slasher show. Hell, this came up in my top 20 of all time. I think both oh, of your top 20s all time. So we know where we stand on this film. And I watched it again, and it's timeless, man. This is great. And I know the big criticism comes in kind of the final act. But I'm not going to jump right there. But I'm just saying I know the big criticism comes there. But I think it's solved up by the title of this movie. Absolutely. I, I find very little criticism with this film, and I'll jump right in with the very opening scene. I love the idea 
of us seeing the glove being built. Ooh. Because oh, the beautiful. glove, the it's it's. I mean, of course, Freddy Krueger is iconic, but that glove is really the icon of this film. I mean, I, we'll get into Robert Englund later because I think he's fucking brilliant as Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I know we're gonna talk about jumping the shark a little bit later on, but but man, he he's terrific. But that opening scene is just. Mwah! And of course, Charles Bernstein's music. Oh, I don't think it's, I don't think it's praised enough. I, I think the music in this film is just haunting. Oh, Probably the, the scariest music in any film I've seen personally. You know what? This is what I said when we did the slasher show. I think it was on that show where I said that the, like the first twenty minutes or eighteen minutes of this movie are epic, and and I was talking about from. Tina's dream and the opening well, from Freddie making the glove directly to Tina's dream all the way up until Tina gets killed. All that stuff being epic. And I feel that way. And I, her dream is amazing with, with, you know, seeing the freaking goat and hearing baby cry. This weird shit that you would see in a dream. And it's fucked up, man. It's scary. And the symbolism, you know, behind the goat and everything else. Like, the reality is there is thought put into this. It wasn't just nightmarish imagery which is where the series went later on. This was the stuff that nightmares were made of. It had that feeling. And you were talking about her dream and just when she's walking behind the house and the way that the, the, back, the back alleys are lit and you see his silhouette, Freddy's silhouette, and you see the, the garbage can lid roll and he pops up from behind the tree and he is playing with her with the chopping off of his fingers and whatnot everything is just haunting i said i caught this before i really got into horror films at that dreaded neighbor's house like great neighbor but i'm just saying that's where i saw these horror films when i was a little too young to appreciate them and when tina rips off freddie's face and you see the skeletal face beneath that stuck with me forever it yep. is absolutely terrifying. It's the image that has probably been burnt into my psyche uh, along with Kevin Bacon getting the arrow through his neck from Friday the 13th that scarred me as a kid and probably is why I love both of these movies. Yep, absolutely. I uh, I also love the way, and I've heard Robert England talk about this many times, the way he, he carries himself and he walks, his, his, his gait almost. Yeah. The way he ca- that carries the glove, he talks about carrying it like a like a holster, like yeah. a gun in a holster. The gunslinger, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really true. it's and he talks he he really gets in depth in some of these interviews talking about like these famous characters and the way he moves and it's it's it works. It works so well. It's it's really quite haunting. It's funny because and I hate to rag on him because he's great, but he says something about the the reason that he has his one shoulder going down. It's like his, his posture is because <laughs> the weight of the glove on his hand caused him to do that. To do that, it wasn't anything planned. So I think it, I think it's cool and it's effective. I also think it's funny because I'm thinking, well, how heavy can this glove be that <laughs> that he actually could put it on and it would make his fucking shoulder sag? But I don't know. <laughs> but it works. It works. His posture works, and you know they try to get someone else for part two, and they knew like almost immediately that just wasn't going to fly, you know? Yeah, he is the character, and yeah, that's why we had a, probably the problem with the remake as well, is that you can't, even though you want to recreate it, there's something when someone owns the role like that, it's hard to put anybody in its place, in, in his place, in this case. 
But getting back to just the glove itself, I heard criticisms of, well, this movie came out the year after Dreamscape and it's ripped off a lot of Dreamscape. And it's funny because this movie, as you know, we've now learned through lots of interviews and retrospectives and whatnot, uh, official retrospectives and, you know, the Never Sleep Again documentary, but that this had been shopped around for years. The script had been given. And in fact, the script had been given and all of a sudden a mainstream studio released Dreamscape, which happened to have one of the characters have knives come out of his hands and use them as a weapon. And, and supposedly they passed on a Nightmare on Elm Street. So funny enough, it was considered Nightmare on Elm Street was considered uh, not considered, but some people saw it as a ripoff of Dreamscape. When in fact, the the reverse is most most likely true. Ripoff is probably a strong word, but bored heavily from. <laughs> or they never even saw it. Who knows? Who even knows? It's kind of like, you know, it had like the Jawas with Star Wars and freaking uh, the Phantasm guys and. Uh, you know, Friday the 13th, 2 on the Prowler, how two things happened at the same time with the girl crawling under the bed and that whole thing and the rat and all that shit. They peed all over the place. Oh, no, but, what I'm saying is like the mainstream studio read the script, passed on it, and then created Dreamscape. Oh, that's, that's a whole different from. color. Yeah, I, that, I, that's okay. a direct ripoff. <laughs> that's so that, true. That's taking, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Creative licensing of your own. I think nowadays... Yeah. It would be illegal. You you couldn't get away with it if that was the if that were the case. I've so, never seen Dreamscape. It's a good film. It's a good film. Yeah. More more fantasy, of course. Yeah, I wonder. You know, we don't really talk about it a lot, but I wonder if if it would hold if people would really get on board with the idea of Tina being the final girl from from the opening from the way it's set up. You would think, yeah, almost like newcomers to the franchise watches and would immediately feel that she is going to be the final girl because they set it up really well like that's the case and they talk about in the documentary how that's like a nod to hitchcock you know with psycho with you know having our our lead girl killed off in the first 20 minutes well yeah but same they, thing they, they, they were friday the 13th and i'm saying from the first yeah. time you watch this you probably do think oh here's our final girl and it's funny, isn't it funny that he revisited that same idea with Scream? I know it was written by somebody else, but they had that whole yeah. opening. <laughs> I feel like it, it's definitely stronger, though, in Nightmare. Not taking away from Ann, from Annie and, and Friday, but, you know, we really get to know Tina. I mean, she's, we get to, in a short period of time, we really get to know this character and how truly terrified she is. And we have yeah. talked about this before, but I think now that we're really digging into these movies, there is something that is developed in this film that becomes inconsistent as the series goes on and that is how the deaths play out so the premise is fantastic parents lynch this guy way back when sort of vigilante justice burnt him and now he's returned in their in the children's dreams to then kill them and if they die in their dreams they die in real life that's the premise now where i'm going with it though is how when tina gets slashed in her dream, how the slashes appear in real life. And she gets dragged up the walls and there's blood all over the place. But as the series goes on, it's not always consistent with how that happens. And we'll, no. get, we'll get there no. later when we start talking about some of the sequels, no. of course. Well, and, and I mean, look, I can't even criticize. I will criticize that when we get to it, but I can't be overly critical of it because it's easy to look back on it as a franchise now when they were just going film to film, not knowing when this money train was going to stop. 
or if it was ever going to really take off. They had success with the first one, but they didn't. They had no idea what was going to happen beyond that. So that was something interesting that that they said in Never Sleep Again documentary about. You know, there was no franchise because people talk about Part Two jumping the ship, you know, jumping the shark or jumping the ship, jumping whatever, <laughs> jumping the glove, the, jumping uh, the glove. <laughs> yeah. I thought that's what, they just created something great here, and the time structure at the end it throws people off, and they're saying they just Nancy can't do all those things in 20 minutes. And everything's wacky. And I'm like, I never have a problem with this. I've just never had a problem with it because I found the movie was presented in such a way that you could sort of play off the whole end as one big dream. That's exactly the whole movie that, as a nightmare. Yeah, that, that's exactly yeah. how I, how I see it. I, I have no issues with the film, and I I see uh, I see Nancy's character as as being really really strong throughout i think they set her up really well she's almost lethargic and out of it from the very beginning because the nightmares and the terror hasn't just started with the opening scene it's been going on yeah we're given tina's perspective and then she starts talking to 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 rod and to glenn and to nancy about it but they've all been experiencing it. and i thought um heather langenkamp's performance almost like she almost she plays it so sleep deprived and lethargic and and almost like she's drugged out because she's deprived of sleep because she's terrified as well. They're all terrified. Yeah. And she looks oh, like yeah. she's been deprived of sleep. Yeah. Right. Right. And I know, I know we're jumping all over and that's what we do, but it's just, again, when you, when you go back and we're going back from a re- revisitation standpoint. And I remember the first time I saw this, as I said, Freddie scared the absolute shit out of me. <laughs> Something that I can't say happened in all the films. And not just did Freddy scare the shit out of me, but we had imagery of like Tina in the body bag. Absolutely fantastic stuff. When Nancy awesome. sees her in the school, all that stuff is is just beautiful. And we're not talking about elaborate set pieces. We're talking about literally filming in a school and there's a dead girl in a bloody bag. And then a, bl- a bloody trail down the hallway. You see her getting lifted up by a supernatural force and dragged away. This is simple stuff and effective. Right. And it's a slasher. We've had, you know, we've had a discussion many times, especially in last year, you know, Friday the 13th came around and did its thing, you know, prior to the Halloween, etc. whatever. But slashers were, you know, these kids getting knocked off one by one. This movie came on and just completely turned the, you know, that subgenre on its ear. Just, no one did that before. Because, they didn't throw that in there. Yeah, I mean, it's a great supernatural slasher, but I think the most amazing thing is it's got such a small body count, but it is so creative and so beautifully shot that it's just absolutely haunting that each kill is is, is just super creative and just one-ups the, the, the previous one. With the, yeah. exception, with the exception of maybe Rod's kill, which even this time around watching it, it's still kind of haunting because he's, you know, you, you kind of feel for this guy. This guy's innocent and he's, he's gasping for air. He's, be- he's screaming for help. And the way they did the effects on the neck and his, his neck is like crunching and the skin is, is like, like all lumped up. It's, it was ugh, it's horrifying. But Tina's death, Tina's, t- Tina's death by far for me it is the best kill in the franchise and just how they built that room and how it was shot and even just watching it again in the documentary about how they did it it's just it's it's absolutely amazing it's it's jaw-dropping to think that they they were able to create this 
It's also unnerving. It's actually yeah. it's a disturbing kill. Yeah, something it's that we don't you don't it's, get it's much. In. Even even the rest of the series, a lot of them. There's some disturbing moments, and there's a lot of great kills in in the series. But this one was disturbing, and like you said, heartbreaking. And their screams are are you're just like, like I, I, come on, die already, almost like like because you just want it to be over, and it goes yeah. on and on and oh, it, it's so it's so perfect in, in the way. And you're right. I think it was this was on both. Uh, my the twenty best kills ever, Brandon. Yeah, mine too. It was your. I yeah, think we had yeah. all three of us, right? Oh, it's, without a doubt, it, it's yeah. A fantastic death scene. The screaming, like I said, everything about it, her going all over the wall and up there, and it just and I love. I love to see a poster. I think it's kind of a, an almost an iconic shot when when Rod holds out his hand and you see her on the ceiling. He holds out his hand. He goes Dana, and you see it kind of from his perspective. That's so cool, man. That that should be a poster. I always watch films and I think that image should be, you know, marketed more. I, ju- I, I, I just think you want a poster of Rod as tidy whities <laughs> <laughs> You know, back to the kids though, this is what I'm thinking. It, I like the dialogue. It's kind of like Halloween. Like, you know, uh, when people talk about the dialogue of the kids getting along and doing their shit and talking about school shit and stuff. And it's the same thing, you know, even in the beginning when they're talking about dreams, you know, uh, or maybe an earthquake's coming. Things get, you know, real weird before. And, oh, it's a real one, two, Freddy's coming for you. And they're talking about they're leading up and they just seem like normal kids having normal conversations. And I like it. And even when they get together in the beginning and, you know, they're strewing around, it's like, oh, well, we're here for Tina now. And all that shit. And just, I'm telling you, that whole first that whole first act. I yeah, think the whole the whole film is because even at the even at the funeral scene when uh, Nancy tells her parents about what's going on, the look on their faces, and we don't know at this point if you're a first time viewer exactly what the hell's going on, but their faces, it's like it's like they saw a ghost. Just everybody does such a phenomenal job. Every character is so well crafted in these films, in this film in particular, and that's because. Well, you've got some seasoned actors there. You got John motherfucking Saxon. <laughs> Honestly. And he's fantastic in this. The mom's great, too, but the mom always comes across to me like she's in Dynasty or something like that. Like, there's a little <laughs> bit of a, a soap opera-esque uh, aura to her. Or, and, and that's fine uh, because she's got some choice lines. I mean, she's got some great lines in here. Uh, I love the fact with the, with the fedora. She hides the fedora, has it in the in the drawer. Obviously, this is after Nancy pulled it out of the fucking dream. <laughs> and wait, wait a minute. I know, I jumped all over the place. But hold you on. You jumped way ahead. Care. That's okay, that's okay. Why the fuck? <laughs> There's something I gotta bring up. Okay. Two ridiculous things. One major, one major though. Who the fuck puts their name in a hat? <laughs> what is this fucking... Fred what are they, second graders? Kindergarten? I mean, <laughs> what, and on top of it, What's his name? Labels his fucking his headphones when he's listening to music in his house. Glenn, <laughs> what the fuck? Who? What is it about Springwood that everybody well, labels he, all their shit? I, I think people did that. People put the label on. I mean, he had Beats by Dre back in 1984. <laughs> <laughs> he's an only child. Uh, uh, wait, does he have a younger son? No, no. He's an only uh, child in his he house. Prob- Who's gonna grab his fucking headphones? He probably wore them when he was outside, like you know, listening to music, going to school or something. Yeah, like back then they had that too. Those big fucking headphones on the go. (laughs) (laughs) You had Walkmans, maybe. Okay, I know I jumped ahead. Freddy's aunt, though. 
But you know, I, hey, I never. Funny enough, I didn't question it until you brought it up because I know Actually, people do it. I think that's a thing. Yeah, I think that's a thing to put your name in your hat. Their ha the names in their hats or in their underwear. Oh, they they like lose it and they see it. Is this my hat? Oh, I think that's I like an old. I think that's an old West thing. You put your name in your cowboy hat. There it is. Right then and there, that whole sequence, which I think is a very effective sequence when they go to the dream clinic and whatnot, she pulls a fucking hat out of her dream into the real world. So at this point, you either are buying into this fantastical story and this has happened, or it backs up the whole thing that this movie's a nightmare. And I'm fine with either argument because, again, you buy what is sold to you. And the way it's presented... It's a freaky scene. Her hair has gone white at this point, and she's like, cut, and she pulls out a hat, which freaks everybody out, and she said she grabbed it off his head. It's effectively done, and yeah, if you think more than one second on it, it's ridiculous, but because of the way it's presented to you, I buy it. I buy it too. It's ridiculous, yeah. but for, for the story they're trying to tell, it's a very simple explanation that, that makes more sense than half the shit they come up with in, in later sequels. So real simple, you you can pull something out of the dream. I mean, they only elaborate and expand on this later on as the stories go on. But this one was simple and effective, and I and I always thought that uh, the mother and everyone just sort of dismissed it that she had somehow snuck the hat in there to the sleep to the sleep clinic with her. Wow. I mean, at th at this point, she's bonkers because she said, "Where did she get that hat from?" She must, you know, she probably snuck it in there. Yeah, when she's That's talking the... to talking to the husband, ex-husband yeah. on the phone, she's like, she's "I don't know drunk. where she got the hat. I don't know where she got the she's hat." She's a drunk. Yeah. She's a drunk. So I mean that's that's also part of the performance, the way she acts so dramatic because she's she's drunk and she's intoxicated all the time that everything is so melodramatic. I think her performance is great. The scene we passed right over is the bathtub scene. That's in the bed. Oh, absolutely ama amazing. But the one mistake I saw in there, and it's not really a mistake because Tina does mention the nursery rhyme to Nancy at the beginning of the film, is when Nancy is in the tub singing the song, she says Freddy's name, and this is before she learns it's Freddy Krueger. She says, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Yeah, they said, she said it in the first five minutes of the film. When she, it, sounds like a, it sounds like a real boogeyman. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. So it's already in, in, in folklore of that area. Oh, she did yeah. say that. Uh, they did right? say that. Yeah, you're right. In the you're opening right. scene. Yeah, yeah that's what I was right. talking about. The dialogue with the kids. Another brilliant thing, by the way, is how they transition it. to. You see the girls doing jump rope for the first time. Doing yeah. it. One, two. And then they pan over, and it's like dream state, but then they pan over, and it's them walking into school. It's fucking yeah. so cool. They said that was a lot of camera uh, trickery there because you had to speed uh, – speed up the film speed up the film for the slow motion and then make sure that in the same shot it went down to like normal frame rate but then that also plays around with the lighting as well so there's a lot happening there just to achieve that effect of going from slow motion into regular mo uh, regular speed and we did skip over the tub sequence which is an iconic scene and a recreation uh, and I believe I brought this up on the show before, but I believe it's a recreation of uh, Deadly Blessing. I thought he had a scene where there's a tub and a snake. And I've said this before, and I don't know if I have ever went back to confirm it. <laughs> I'm sure you can see it on YouTube, a comparison between Deadly Blessing and Nightmare on Elm Street bathtub. Yeah, and you know what? I think there's more than that. There's another comparison. I guess there's dream things going on in Deadly Blessing as well. 
the killer in the dream. I could be wrong. I don't think I've seen Deadly Blessing. I don't so, think I've seen it either, to be honest. That's why I'm not saying anything. But I know there's comparisons, <laughs> and I, I think that's it too. And we also didn't talk about the freaking the wall scene, which is amazing with him coming out of the wall, which was done so simply and is fucking awesome. Just yeah. great ideas. There are, are iconic scenes throughout this film that, uh, I don't know, maybe people take it for granted now. So I think no, that's what I, I was doing. I love that, and I love how later on when she's in, in the dream and she goes into the boiler room, she finds all the stuff. She finds the crucifix of Tina's that fell off the wall. She, oh, finds, Gle- she finds Glenn's headphones. He's collecting souls and he's collecting uh, merchandise, hot stuff, and selling it. Why <laughs> <laughs> getting, getting Clive Barker to sign it and selling it? Oh. Proactive. <laughs> yeah, but that helps me, man. It's every every image in this is. I mean, it's it's so cliche, but it really is nightmarish. Everything is really haunting when she gets pulled under that tub. Man, it's it, I know I know it's a tank, but it's so dark and it's it's really haunting. It's really actually scary. Like we become, I mean, I for me, I've become desensitized to a lot of these horror films, but this is genuinely frightening. It sure is, and, yeah. and it stood the test of time. It's something that even like just watching this time, I'm like, wow, well crafted and scary. It's it, it's great. I knew I knew I did this time watching it because I've seen it so many times. I was trying to pick out some things that I would question, you know, funny things. Like, you know, do you guys think that Glenn dreamt him too? Because absolutely. And the reason I think so, it's, I think he was kind of trying to convince himself that it wasn't happening because when they were at the house that night and she says that, oh, I, you, I dreamt, you dreamt the same, you dreamt about the same creep I did. And then he says, that's impossible. But then he has like a look on his face right after as if he's trying to, he doesn't really believe that that's impossible. That yeah, it, it's totally yeah. in his face and the way he expresses himself that he is, without a doubt, they are all sharing sharing these dreams. Right, and Rod, we know that he mentions it because he says, yeah, it, no more nightmares for both of us, that whole thing. So it's happening to all of them. And back to Glenn, what about that tape? I think it's so ridiculous that he wouldn't have thought to freaking test out that tape before he pressed play and did it for his mom. That's the comic relief right? for the film. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've always had an issue. Like, and then, like, it'd stop it before maybe the screaming and the drag race. And then start right? saying, there's just some kid drag race. That's comic, pure comic relief, and you're either in or out. But, yeah, yeah it, it, it's funny. But every time I listen to it, I, I get a chuckle. <laughs> I'm in, because I'm thinking that he knew the tape was longer because he's used it before, but evidently Rod taped over it. So I wouldn't have Rod thought to check. I, I wouldn't have thought to. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe so. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe I'm missing out on something. Here. Yeah, I think I think he's I think he said he got that tape from Rod. Didn't yeah, he? but why would Rod tape over it? Well, well, you think Rod taped drag racing and fucking somebody screaming instead of what it was supposed to be? Okay, <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. Okay. Well, how about Rod? Speaking of that, when he's on the lamb and fucking you know Nancy's defending him and this and that, and she doesn't think he you know he did it, and then you know then she takes the walk to school in the morning. And sees the fucking man in black, whatever. And when Rod man confronts her, yeah, that guy at the tree, isn't it like the man in black looking at her? Like in, the, the, the detective looking yeah. guy? It's totally like the man in black situation. Very obvious. Yeah, I know, right? She's been used as bait. That's uh, yeah. fine. <laughs> yes, master bait. She has that encounter with him, and he's trying to prove to her that he didn't do anything wrong, right? 
And what does he say? I'm warning you. Know, you. <laughs> yeah. Don't look at me like I'm some fucking fruitcake. I'm warning you. I'm warning well, what is he going to do? Yeah. Fucking beat the shit out of her? You're trying to prove your innocence. He's still, he's, still ma- he's still being true to his character, though. He is sort of like... It, I don't want to say trouble, but he's clearly had some run-ins with the law. He clearly has some anger issues. They do mention that he's had priors. Like a juvenile delinquent, like Rod. Right, right. Checking up with delinquents. Yeah, yeah, so he, I mean, I think it's true to his character for him to be that angry and that sort of aggressive and angry, even towards Nancy, even though he's trying to get her on his side. That's true. Okay, how about this one with Rod? One more thing about Rod. When he finally puts up his arms and he agrees to go in, he goes, I'm cool, I'm cool. You know that part? Yeah. You guys notice that his mouth doesn't move one fucking iota? It's 80 yard in there. I'm cool, uh, I'm cool. Oh, they <laughs> did that left, right, and center of those movies, man. Back in the day, they just wedged in dialogue wherever they needed it. I was just wondering where his shoes were, why he didn't grab his shoes before he jumped out of Tina's window, because he was barefoot in that, right? Yeah, he was barefoot yeah. running out. Yeah. He, just, he was in bed. He just finished fucking her and he went to bed. Yeah, but he grabbed his jeans and his jacket. Just pick up your shoes also. He was running around shoes all night. Shoes might be at the front door. Right. Where's the Where's their shoes? What kind of fucking... Where were you raised, Brandon? Come on. You got <laughs> shoes downstairs? What's he walking to the fucking Tina's parents' house in, in muddy shoes? Fucking... He <laughs> took his jeans on, but he's fucking with his shoes on? <laughs> Wait, he, he can beat Nancy, but he can't... But he, he's polite enough to take off his shoes? <laughs> he beat Nancy? I'm warning you, I'm going to beat your ass, you bitch. But I'm going to take off my shoes first, out of respect. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Oh, shit. I don't think think there's a wasted scene in this movie. I don't think there's anything that needs to be trimmed. That's a great thing about this movie. It it plays out and everything everything just flows beautifully. Uh, And again, I know that the criticism comes near the end when suddenly... She uh, MacGyver's her way, her whole house with booby traps left, right, and center in 20 minutes. But you know what, though, it's it's not yeah. 20 minutes. It's a passage of days, and and look, these are when you see when you passage watch it this days. time, and, and <laughs> what, what? Is it, time warp? What are you passage about? of it's days? Passage of day. Unless she had already halfway set up the fucking sledgehammer and the gunpowder and the light bulb, and then said, "Well, I'll do it later when I really need it." I don't fucking know. What do you what do you, what do you mean? What are you talking at about? The end, at the end, ma- the end montage is a night. It's, yeah. like, it's a passage of time mm-hmm. in one mm-hmm. night, the same night that she goes toe to toe with Krugs. Yes, right. but she's already right. bought and purchased all this stuff and read the book. She's reading that throughout. Don't you don't forget each nightmare. She's kind of getting smarter. I mean, the the next nightmare she has, where she has Glenn with her, she has a plan to go look for him and for Glenn to kill him. So she okay, takes- Brandon, Brandon, stop what you're doing right now. I'm gonna give you twenty minutes. Just to hold the fucking sledgehammer above one door and see how long it's it not is. twenty minutes though, because she's reading the book during the day, like a few days before she goes in for Kruger. She's reading the book about all the devices. She's probably gone to the hardware store, bought all stuff. It looked like look. I'll I'm give you not, that. No, no, the I'm sledgehammer not... is in the house. Actually, it's in that. the foreground. I noticed this. It's in the foreground of the shot when they're in the cellar. So the sledgehammer's in the house. But I'm talking. I'm with Dave. What what it is is. She has to still set this all up, and that's what the montage right. sequence is. And they're trying to sell the fact that she's setting all this. I know she's read about it and everything, but she's actually setting up the physical traps, filing down the light bulb, putting the gunpowder in, putting that sledgehammer up all within a 20-minute period. That's the montage sequence. But It's a quick montage, yeah. but I don't feel like anything was too complicated in there, that it wasn't already partially set up. I'll tell you what. I, I I look past it now, but I but I do see it as 
a, a little fugazi. It, it, you know, I just, I think it would take me 20 minutes to hold that fuck them, that sledgehammer up. That's just one trick. It took you 20 minutes to set your microphone up tonight. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> hey, look, at least Nancy's being proactive. She's going out. She's going She's going to the hardware store. She's buying light bulbs. She's, she's building booby traps. Glenn, meanwhile, is talking about the Balinese way of dreaming. Hey, just turn your back oh, on the yeah. monster. It takes away the evil. Which write I, it down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> write it down. Yeah. <laughs> how, about, how about at the end with Glenn when he says this and this and he's like, why does anyone, he said, why would anyone want to kill me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck are you? Yeah. What an so arrogant prick. Why would prick. they want to kill his girlfriend yeah. and hey. Tina and Rod? Why, why do they want to kill me? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm Johnny Depp. I never understood that in this film, why you would say that. I know that that 10 shirt that he wears is a jersey, but it looks ridiculous when you're just wearing it to bed. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, wear my t- I wear my 10 shirt to bed every night. Yeah. Actually, mine's, your a shoes? Nine, mine's a nine and a half. With his shoes. I noticed something. <laughs> you're nitpicking. I, uh, you're nitpicking. Hey, I know. I noticed something. We talked about this before on the Evil Dead show with the back and forth between Craven. Remember we said that she was watching it and yeah. she was watching Evil Dead and falling asleep. So I looked for it this time. And it's true. Here's the funny part that all the, all the dialogue was wrong for the actual scene we were watching. And they were just throwing in random dialogue. It was weird. But then at the very end, you hear the girl yelling, turn it off. And then she turns the TV off. So <laughs> I thought that was kind of playful. It was cool. I never picked up on that little part of it, you know? Yeah. That last dream she has when when Glenn fails to uh, to help her because he falls asleep himself with uh, when she sees Tina again with the eels and the centipede oh, that that to me is the image from the film from when I was younger that always terrified me those those disgusting slimy muddy eels. There's, there's your poster, and why it's like a running motif in all these films. The second you ask somebody to watch over you while you take a sleep, they're out twenty seconds later. The well, person look, they, watching is always falling asleep seconds after. I think the one criticism I might have w- with that is that they maybe didn't show Johnny Depp's character enough depriving himself of sleep, but clearly he had to be. Oh, he but he also, no, I, I'm not criticizing this movie because at this point, I don't yeah. think he fully believes her. He's just there, and yeah, yeah, I'll do whatever I want. Like, I, I think he believes then, it, but like we talked about earlier, he's almost in denial about it because he doesn't want to believe sure, it. Sure, that, that, you, you explained it better, for sure. Yeah. I, all right, no, I was going to say this, and I don't know where I read this or heard this, and I probably didn't read it anywhere or hear it anywhere because it's totally not true. But in that dream, when 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 Nancy's running up the, the gooey stairs and Freddy breaks the window and looks in, I, I don't know why I had thought I had heard somewhere that he was wearing a Michael Myers mask. It's Tina's face. I know it's <laughs> Tina's face, but I had Tina read something. I had read somewhere that somebody said it looked like a Michael Myers mask, and I always had gone back and watched it. I'm like, like, you know what? It does kind of look like a Myers mask if you look real quickly, but it's clearly Tina's face because you see the blonde hair sticking out. Nancy, Nancy, save me from Michael Myers. <laughs> I'm telling it was the director's you, cut. I'm telling you, I don't know where I heard that. I heard that somewhere, though. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. In your Unless dreams. Did, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Holy shit. How about speaking of Michael Myers... How about the fact that we have another Halloween comparison in this movie when she's sitting in the classroom 
it's it's reminiscent of when you see Laurie in the classroom and Halloween talking about fate and all that. Similar type thing here when you see Lin Shay as the teacher talking about uh, the grave diggers and something else. Another nod that I think that, that was done intentionally to, to Halloween. And again, in typical exploding heads fashion, or all over the place because we didn't talk about the rendition of Hamlet right in that classroom. Which when he when she falls asleep and it goes into that whisper mode, yeah, again, beautiful, beautiful, and that leads right into the body bag Tina. It's just one great thing after another. A little bit like when when Freddie says, "No running in the hallway." That could be misconstrued as comedy, but not not in this movie. In this movie, it's nope. said pretty straight and pretty creepy. This is when Freddy was had personality, spoke because we had Jason and Freddy who or Jason and Michael, sorry, who didn't speak. But ultimately, the wisecracking becomes a little bit more predominant in two, and of yes. course, but of but course, like it gets you, worse as the series like goes you on. said though it begins right there at the very beginning in one it just lands better in some films and then it becomes over the top goofy in 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 later well, well i think the comedy here is almost like more he was a creepy pedophile and that he had this sort of sick sense of humor to him as well it just makes it even more creepy as opposed well, to like know, waka waka waka. It's right. weird that we it's, it's, weird that we it's weird that we still talk about him as a pedophile, even though he, he he's they totally did away with that. We can't we can't get that out of our psyche. I mean, not that a child murderer is any better, but they totally get rid of the pedophile thing, but they really try to use that as a jumping board for part two. But but it, it shouldn't have even been done because it's it's just it was taken completely out of the story. They hinted though, kind of. You know, it's kind of like implied i love when um so at this point they're investigating uh, her boyfriend glenn johnny depp's death across the street as uh, blood shot out of his bed and, and covered his whole room in gore and ultimately uh her father the, the the police chief says you know just have one of his guys just have a keep a look on her thank whatever. you she's shattering the windows right screaming out to him <laughs> I always, I never thought this was a misfire. I thought this was comedy genius. He was get like, my dad, you asshole. Yeah, get my yeah, dad, you asshole. Still work. Maybe I should fucking maybe I should tell the lieutenant. Yeah, and then it cuts back to him. It's like, maybe I should get the lieutenant. I thought that was comedy genius. I didn't think that was a mistake. I thought that was great, but I don't know what your take wow. is on this. Not, wow. not comedy thought... at all. Not comedy at all. Just a stupid idiot. Because, oh. I mean. <laughs> Just a stupid idiot. <laughs> he is. The guy was just a fucking idiot. She's screaming for help. But no, everybody's in denial. No one believes her. Even her own father, who should. Her own mother takes what? her into the freaking boiler room. Oh, I, he can't get you, man. Mommy killed him. Because mommy I even killed took, him. Yeah. I, I, mommy killed him. I even took his knives. <laughs> like, come on. Get the fuck well, out of here. I, but I, think that that's, I think that's... I think that's... Like black comedy, think he can't get you now because mommy killed him. It's it, <laughs> it's funny, but it is. but it's delivered like very straightforward. And I think that's a wink to the audience later on when he's like, maybe I should get the lieutenant. Like, yeah, you think you fuck? Like, I think <laughs> I think that's exactly what they're going for there, and it works beautifully because at this point you're wow. like, why haven't you moved yet? <laughs> well, I appreciate it more now. It was a complaint for mine because it always bothered me that it took that much to fuck it. I thought it maybe it was a 
an editing faux pas or something. I'm like, come on. How, what do you got to do to fucking prove her it Her own parents like, don't believe her, and they're the ones who murdered and covered up the killing <laughs> of Freddy Krueger. So, yeah. of course, the stupid sergeant or whatever he is, officer, is, is just going to be like, oh, she's she's hysterical. Because she, he knows what's going on, that she, she's been hysterical because all her friends are dying. But if he had seen that scene, which he which he did, seeing what happened to Glenn, he should yeah. have been very quick to get the father when she started screaming. And I'm glad. <laughs> I'm yeah, glad they. I'm glad they didn't go with the Johnny Depp coming back out of the bed, because yeah. seeing that, seeing that Never Sleep Again, it's just not effective. No. Yeah. No. They. I used to have the. Uh, Laser disc of this, a special edition laser disc, and they showed a bunch of different versions of it. Like one of them, he twisted out of it, I believe. Another yeah. one, he, he, he popped that. There, there was a lot. There was a lot of different ones, and they 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 stuck to the right version of that and just kept them. Yeah. Well, when they when they flashed, you know, with all the blood coming out and the way they talk about how the room got got tilted and everything, the blood's going. On, I thought that was like an awesome mistake that happened, and it looks really cool. But if they flash back sometimes, and you actually see the sheet popping up like just the bloody sheep actually popping up that it looks like there's somebody like popping up out of the bed and to me like that was that was effective enough because it, it almost looked like they're pushing glenn back up but i mean clearly it's not but it looks that way but when they showed him actually in the documentary it just it just looked like he was covered with fruit punch <laughs> given oh, how man. much given how much blood like he should have just come out in pieces yeah uh, or yeah, he was liquefied pretty much. Yeah, at that point. But when they go in and they break down the door and and, and investigate, I love how they run into the basement because that's where the fire came. But then the footprints have already gone around and up the stairs. I've always thought that was great, and that leads them upstairs to uh, when mom uh, when mom gets it. Yeah, but, it's great. But his reaction is great because the, the the police come in. And it's like, and then uh, John Saxon's like almost like he shuts the door and I'm like, give us a minute. Give us a bit right. here. We we just saw mom get sucked into a bed. That is <laughs> terrifying. That that yeah. gets scarier the more I watch it now. That's or, it is. The lightning flash and those yeah, going oh, skeletal. Sink into a bed, I guess. Not sucked. Glenn got sucked into yeah. the bed. She gets sinks sinks into a bed. Creepy. Was she twisting down? She oh, wasn't twisting down. I always did find that the turn of just being able to turn away from Freddy. I know that they've set it up with, with the story and, and, and what happens with the giant death. Too arrogant. I, I thought it was a little weak with such as build up. I thought it could have used a bigger punch payoff, but for whatever reason, it doesn't hinder the overall movie because again, the way that he just sort of disappears and they cut to the, the next day and you get that sort of dream filter and everything seems to be okay, but you, you could tell something's not quite right. With that, it works. It works. I loved it because yeah. you know, as a standalone film, I loved the ending. That the, the the simplest way to defeat him was 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 right there the whole time. Just don't give him the power. And actually, they kind yeah. of do come back to this later on in in the series, so to speak, with with how they allude to how he sort of is forgotten in Freddy versus Jason and 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 some of the other ones. So they kind of do play off of this yeah. a little bit later as well. Uh, hey, not, not even to mention Wes Craven's new nightmare, and now like the the phenomenon of Freddy have, has sort of you know given the evil its power. But we'll get we'll get there. Again, maybe the simplicity works again for in its favor. What about that that ending? I, I've always said I, I mentioned this on the other show. 
If it just ended with that car, the craziness, mother, mother, driving down the street in the one, two, Freddy yes. coming for you. Again, Fuck. Bellamissimo, that would have been a perfect ending. And then fucking Bob Shea had to have mummy get pulled through the window. You, you know what, though? You know what I like, I though? Hate it, though? And the reason why it doesn't affect my rating for the film is because Wes Craven was so aware that that was a shitty that was a shitty thing to put in the movie, but he had to do it because of obviously what Bob Shea was doing for him. So you know what, the film would have been perfect if it ended right when you when the car pulls away and you see the, uh, the the girls jumping rope. But the fact that they added in it doesn't hurt it because you know the fact that the nightmare is continuing. Something this horrifying and this goofy looking can happen in your nightmares i wish well, they tried to make it look a little more real maybe actually pulled her through the door versus the little window above the door well then that's a dream but, so then that's, but that's exactly it so if the movie yeah, ends with the dream uh, yeah. if the yeah. movie ends with the dream in a nightmare who why can't we say the whole thing is a nightmare hence anything it, any problems you had with it really are dismissed because we've 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 presented the movie to you and at the end of the day it's one big nightmare yeah, it would be. Yeah, I mean, I, I could look at it that way. I don't personally, but it, it would be. It's hard for me to figure out exactly where this nightmare continues because she she turned her back on Freddy, took away his power, he disappears. So what was what's in the missing scene before we get to that big finale? What what happens next where she evidently falls? I'll tell you asleep, what. Where she falls asleep and the dream continues. I figured it out. That dream ended, and this was the beginning of a new dream. Because she, that keep, but that that would keep happening over and over again. That was one particular dream, and in that particular dream, do you ever have a dream and, and you realize that you're having a dream and you, yeah. and you find a way out of it sometimes? Okay, mm -hmm. that's what happened here. Nancy, in this particular dream, found a way, found a solution, and said, "Oh shit, this is all I got to do. You're nothing. You're shit. Dream over. Goodbye. Boom. That dream ends. So now." No, no, but that's not a dream. Well, listen to me, and I'll tell you why. This is what I'm telling you. That is the dream, and that's the way that dream, that particular dream ends. So now what you see after is another dream that maybe she has the next night, and this time Freddie wins and she dies. No, you get so what I'm saying? I get what you're saying, but it can't, it can't be because she pulled him out into, into the real world, and the mother was killed in the real world, and she turns her back on him in the real world. She's not but, dreaming but at that point. vanishes it in the real world? No, no, yes, no. He, he there is no real he world. Well, but no, this yeah, is, you're missing it. No, there but they're is. saying, within the context of the movie, Dave, they are saying. They are, without he, a doubt. She pulled the hat into the real world, which gave her the idea that she could grab him and she pull him, him out. into the real world. She pulled him out with to, 10 seconds left. And... This yes, is but why that was that dream. This is what you're missing. You're not you're not seeing it the way you're not fully grasping the, the way I, I'm what I'm saying here. You're going with the dream throughout, then. I'm going with that dream throughout, where in that particular dream, she pulled out the hat and her mother died. But in real life, her mother didn't die. That was all just a dream. So now she goes to bed again. And this is a completely different fucking dream. What you see in the last two minutes of Nightmare on Elm Street is the next night. She went to bed, and this is the next dream. Because this has been tormenting her for so long that it's an ongoing saga that this that Nancy is having with these with Freddy. But that's so not, that dream, it's and, weird because it's not really how it's presented, but yes, I can... No, but I, it helps yeah. to look at it that way is all I'm saying. What's the difference between what Brandon says... Well, we've all said that the entire movie is a dream, or what I said, 
that fuck it, that was the end of their dream because she finally figured out in that particular dream how to beat him. So he did. So Freddie lost. But in the end, Freddie said, fuck you, I'll just come back in your dream tomorrow night. And he did. So well, that but, means outside <laughs> all these dreams, everybody is still alive, technically. Maybe. It's all a dream. Matrix? That's the point of the film. It's all, it doesn't matter. It's just one dream or another dream. You can beat Freddie in this dream. You particular, Nancy Thompson, can beat Freddie tonight. But that doesn't mean tomorrow night he's not going to come back and fucking try again. And maybe that, that, that I can buy. That I can buy. She defeated him, but, but I'll still say she defeated him in the real world, but it doesn't mean that he, he's vanquished forever because clearly he's not. If, that's if that works for you. But if there that's the case, then why do people have such a problem with Freddy coming, quote-unquote, into the real world in part two? Because, in which case, if that's what happened, and that's what is presented to us in part one, yet people shit on part two because it said Freddy comes into the real world at the end. That's just ridiculous. Because nobody manifests him into the real world. That's another story. We'll get to that. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. we can talk about to that. be but, continued. Right. Yeah. But, but for that, that's all I'm saying. That That's one way, I think, to look at it. She won that dream, and round two is the fucking, is what we get at the end. It's when she went to bed the next night. Why not? It's, it makes just as much sense as saying the entire thing was a dream or, or taking it at face value, which would make zero sense. But to sum up the ending, what I think is brilliant is though even though Shay did that fucking thing with the mother coming through the door, the last thing we see when the credits roll is we just hear the fucking girl's voices. Nine, ten, never sleep again. It's fucking eerie. It's great. So the movie still goes out with that creepy fucking vibe. And it's awesome until that song comes in. It's a nightmare. It's a dream. No, it's a nightmare. It's just a dream. <laughs> I, I turned it off before that part. Well, I, I always watch the, all the credits for this movie. Yeah. I love it. Even though it's a ridiculous kind of, it's just, I don't know. It's just maybe call it nostalgia, call it what you will. It's just part of the, the feels for me. You know, what fra- you know what phrase they use in this movie? The mother says to Nancy. And I, I, I mean, obviously I know the phrase. I'm gonna turn down your bed. Where yeah, did this phrase? What is it? What? Where did this phrase come from? And what? I mean, that's I know a very what it means, old-fashioned phrase. No, I know, movie. but like, I, I never. Turn every down. time, every time I hear, "Turn down your bed." Your sheets. She's gonna get the sheets pulled down so that you're ready for bed. That's what wow. "turn down the bed" means. Prepare the I bed never, for. Sleep. No, I know what it means. It's just, it's just a weird saying. I never heard that saying. I never noticed it in this film either. That's funny. yeah. Right after she says, "Warm milk." Gross. I was just gonna say warm milk gross. Wow. <laughs> why don't I remember that part after? Yeah, right right in that same sequence. I told you, people hundreds of people get killed every year that way. Yeah, I, I remember all that shit. I just don't remember turn down the bed. Turn down the light maybe, turn down the music, turn down the TV, turn down the bed. Well, that's fucked up. Wow. So we started to say something before and one real quick thing. Th- this is what I think makes sense. Why she would have the gloves. Because she was married to the fucking chief of police at the time. So he would take that, that he would confiscate those fucking Freddy gloves. They would keep him in that house. That's Absolutely. why I think it. That's Absolutely. why I think it. Ne- okay. Never, never an issue with me. I totally, totally buy that. That, that he was the leader of the, of the clan that killed Kruger. Okay, so your beef was just, she said, he's dead now because mommy killed him. It's not even a beef. It's not even a beef. It's just you know she's so melodramatic. She's so drunk. She can't seem to jump on board with the idea that what Nancy is telling her might actually be true. Because ah, much like yeah. Glenn, she doesn't ah. want to believe it. And again, the same thing with with uh, with the lieutenant. 
that's why he closes the door and doesn't let anyone in when he sees Marge burning and all that. Because he realized at this point, hey, I fucked up. She was telling the truth the whole time and I just ruined lives. Well, and yeah. That, and he wants that, to comfort his daughter who just lost her mother. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's fucking heavy shit, man. Yeah, that's why I take everything within this film as, you know, she pulled him, she pulled him into the real world, manifested him and defeated him that way. You know, he goes back to the dream world and then shows back up um, next night. That makes sense. That's fine. You know, whatever yeah. happens. Yeah, she she has to sleep eventually. Right. He, that, that's just it. She has to go back to sleep. So, you know what? Even if she beats him today, well, guess what? There's going to be another fucking round tomorrow, kids. Which makes which makes Freddy my favorite boogeyman because it's just it's you can't avoid him. Eventually, you have to sleep. A, a, amazing concept. And if this film just was just one film and I said that plenty of times but if it was just one film Freddy would probably be higher on my list because the things he was doing here he was just doing it to freak the people out like I said before when we talked about it cutting off the fingers fucking with them a little he wasn't oh, yeah. hamming yeah. it up he was trying to freak oh. people out right yeah. it, was and it, 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 it is great and it goes yeah. off the fucking rails <laughs> a few films down the road I will is I'll it? add one other thing David Miller's makeup on Freddy is great it's mm -hmm. simple, it's creepy, and I'll give him credit here because he shits the bed later down the series. Mm, all right. That's fair. So, what do we got? We got a rates and, and uh, that's it. Full head explosion, 10 out of 10. It hasn't changed my at all for me. Me either. Same thing. Right on. 10 out of 10. Hall of Fame. I love, when he, I love when he cuts his flesh open and the maggots are in there. That's, oh. a, that's nasty, man. <laughs> oh, it's great. You know what I, I noticed? The, the, the blood, the, how good the gore looks when um when Nancy gets the slices when she's in the uh when she's in in the in the, the sleep deprivation not sleep deprivation whatever the fucking place is called yeah in the sleep institute yeah institute where I watch it this time maybe because it's on my brand new TV and everything else and it looks as better than I've ever seen it but I was like wow that's fucking that's solid makeup effects right there really everything is fantastic about this film. Yep, I, I hate to say it, but I think it's underrated. I think it doesn't get appreciated the way other films do, and I think um, the sequels may be to blame. Highly, know. highly underrated, criminally underrated, and it so is. many people and so many people love it, but it's actually like a, to me, it's a perfect film and I, a genuinely scary film. I would never say underrated. I never thought it this would could be but, considered underrated, but I, I, I sort of hear where you guys are coming from. It, it's a perfect yeah. film. I love it, but you might be right. The sequel's probably damper the uh, couple of standouts that are in the series. But but it's weird that it, it, that it does it for this franchise more, and I think it has to do with what we talk about with, with really some of the issues coming from the dialogue that they give to Freddy. Because even though the sequels to Halloween become a mess, Michael Michael is still the entity he is, even though the mask sometimes gets silly looking. And Jason is, you know, Jason's Jason. The movie might be shitty, but he's the same. So the fact that the sequels get shittier in all these franchises, it seems worse in Freddy because Freddy's dialogue is actually part of the thing that makes it worse. The Nightmare series always is seemingly trying something new. I'll yes. give it credit for that. The yes. downfall is most of the time they're crappy ideas. <laughs> yeah, and they're rushed. They, they 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 started to rush the series after yeah. you know after part two. They really they rush rush rush. I think they should have taken their time, but I think Bob Shea was just like, boom, let's let's crank these fuckers out. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> Look, they you know? they start they started filming part four without a script. <laughs> there you go, and it shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get. There. I was I think that was yes, part we, five more. 
But anyway, well, we'll get there. Should we get to part two? I'm ready. I need you, Jesse. We got special work to do here, you and me. You've got the body. I've got the brain. Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, from 1985, directed by Jack Shoulder, written by David Chaskin or Chaskin? I'd say Chaskin. Yeah, I think it's Chaskin. We watched the fucking documentary, and I'm still not saying it's right. right. <laughs> and I had to listen to this fucking idiot talk about how he put this gay stuff in there intentionally, but didn't tell anyone about it. Okay, a teenage boy is haunted in his dreams by deceased child murderer Freddy Krueger, who is out to possess him in order to continue his reign of terror in the real world. Okay, so right there, brand new idea. They're going to try the possession the possession thing. Freddy's going to possess Jesse. Not a bad concept, yeah. but they do, not, they do not execute this at all well. well How about this? Go ahead, Steve. No, I was just going to say, I, I agree. And you know what? I like the fact that they took it in a different direction. Yes, I would have liked... I think at this point, they went fast. They didn't know where to go necessarily with it. That's why Heather Landerkamp didn't come back for this one and the character of Nancy. But I like the fact that they kept the house. I like the fact that they uh, wanted to sort of expand on it. And and, and for that it, part, there's some things that do work here. If they didn't keep the house, this film would, would make completely no sense. They had right. to keep the house because yeah. that's, the, that's the link to Jesse because he's starting to have these nightmares. They're barely moved in there. Yeah, but, the uh, yeah. The I, I, I got to say one thing. I mean... I like Jack Shoulder. I mean, I, I love Alone in the Dark. It's the first film we've done on the show. I, I rave I rave about that film. I think it's a fantastic film. But to hear him in the documentary talk about how he didn't really care for the original and defend this one, like, I wanted to, like, go through the screen and punch him right in the face. Yeah, he came across a little arrogant. Yeah, even yeah. even the way he told Bob Shea, like, I need a real actor because <laughs> Bob Shea wanted to play uh, – Grady's father. Like, I need a real actor for that. You could be the S&M bartender. And how the fuck are these people not realizing that there's so much gay undertones and gay subtext, which I'm not hating on, because you know what? If David Chaskin... Did I say it right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, he, if, he had gone, if he had gone to Shoulder and the, and the cast and said, this is what I wrote this for. I put this there intentionally, because this is what my thoughts are about Jesse's character. They could have actually made the film more around that. And they talk about it now like that's what's happening in this film, that he's suppressing his homosexuality. Complete bullshit. He's a heterosexual male in this movie. I know Mark Patton's an openly gay actor, and, and he'll defend that, that he thinks he was a gay character in the movie, but he wasn't. I agree. He, he absolutely was not, because the the way he meets Grady, meets Grady is the fight they have on the baseball field because he gets hit in the head with the baseball. Because why? Because he's peering over, staring at Lisa because he's in love with her. You took you away look... from the documentary that they, they thought they were playing off that there's all the subtext. I got from the documentary that they were shocked that they didn't realize there was Some all the, the subtext here. A lot, of, a lot right. of the, like the director, Shoulder, and a lot of the people who worked on the film weren't aware of it. But the actor, the writer... And uh, then Mark Patton, as it went along, he was aware because he, I mean, he's a gay actor. So he, he knew. I just feel like if there was more communication, this film could have been a, a solid film. If they had gone with that, why not? 1985, they talk about it, the post-AIDS, 
you know, people are coming out. They, they wouldn't have, though, unfortunately. I know they. No, closed, not then. No. They closed, they, it closed the production down. I think. I know, and, but it would have it would have worked better in terms of making this film a little bit more coherent for me. Possibly, but I, I, at the end of the day, they're they're trying to cash in on uh, on the first one. There's some things that do work here, but ultimately, there's too much. There's too much of Jesse fucking waking up in a cold sweat or a hot sweat, whatever. That's not a walking sweat. Walking around a the house. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many scenes that almost start identical to one another. And they they kind of throw in the kitchen sink here. I, I don't know. There's I dig Freddy's look. I think actually I might like this the best out of all the series. Uh, they've widened his eyes a little bit. And he's slimy, but I really do think he's creepy in this one. But here's the, they segue it. You can see it again. Now, from a retrospective standpoint, you see the segue from part one to part three in the Kraken Wise arc, as we'll call it. There, it, yeah. it is huge in this fucking movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's huge in this movie? His, him talking more. Fre- Freddy, you got the body. I got the brain. Yeah, but that's it. That's the only fucking line that's really even not that humorous. Help yourself, fucker. Yeah, but... Stuff. It, it's okay. just... I mean, I'm saying it's just started... This is, again, a stepping stone further to what we get. Now, three definitely jumps, leaps and bounds beyond this to, yeah. be, to create the, the, the character. And then four I, goes, you know, balls out with it, but... I'll partially side with Dave here because I think that these lines aren't intentionally comical, but I think they just don't land like like some of the lines do in, in some of the films. You know, even, you know, you are all my children, you know, stuff like that. You know, when the kid's trying to talk him down. I know we're jumping around again when the kid's trying to, like, be his therapist. You're okay. Nobody's going to hurt you. And I forgot what he says to him, but, you know, he's just – he's cracking wise, but it's it's not it's not for humorous effect. He just says, help yourself, fucker. And it's yeah. funny because he says, fucker. And I get it. But body and brain, that's almost I, that, that's almost fucking on par with him cutting off his fingers and saying, Tina, look, it's the same thing. He's, instead of cutting off his fingers, he's just showing his brain. He's and just I, trying to yeah. freak Jesse out. It I isn't so much comedy. I don't mind that either because it's also speaking to the whole idea that, that he's going to possess him and use him as a vehicle to, to kill. Well. And I'm saying that there's there's more cracking wise lines, but I love that scene because I do think it's still creepy. He's in the shadows. It's practical effects. I mean, his makeup design, as I already mentioned, is possibly my favorite in this movie. The exposing brain, great. Him barreling his way out. Freddie barreling his way out of Jesse's body later. And the final meltdown. There's some good stuff here. The final meltdown's maybe a little choppy, but there's some great parts to it. There's some great practical effects here. And then there's not so many. There's some other things that weren't so well done. I mean, there's some lazy, there's some lazy, sloppy kills. Yeah, like the, even like when the gym teacher after oh my God. gets out of the the gay bar and suddenly makes Jesse run laps at the fucking school. Th- that While was he's weird. While he's still in his S and M gear. <laughs> well, is that a dream? See, that's just that's the thing about this film. This uh, this is what they did in this movie. Nobody in this movie lays down, goes to sleep. And fucking dreams, Freddy. Doesn't happen. They took that out of the equation. The only one that does anything with dreams is Jesse. So all this is Jesse's dream. He dreams these things. So I always, I shouldn't say always, watching it this time, I tried to decipher it once and for all because of the show. And I'm thinking, maybe, maybe Schneider did show up dead 
and maybe he was scarred up and maybe they just found him that way. And he wasn't in S&M clothes at all because he even said maybe he was working late. That's what Grady said when he saw. Maybe none of it really happened that way. And maybe Jesse just dreamed about going to the to the gay bar because Grady put that in his head. Because why would he just randomly go to a gay bar? Makes no sense at all why he would go there. Well, I think Freddie okay. led him there. I thought that's the whole the whole thing. Yeah, Freddie Freddie has possessed him, and he's doing the killing through Jesse. They even show some scenes where they pan back to Jesse wearing the glove, which is fine. And, and you know, it's hard to tell when he's sleeping, sleepwalking, daydreaming. That's that's part of the issue with it. But where it ultimately jumps ship is is the pool party. I yeah, mean, but you miss it. I, I agree with that. But back to the back to the teacher. Back to Schneider. There's no that wouldn't ha- if Jesse's having a dream, and uh, Freddie knows that Jesse's having beef with Schneider. So okay, why not kill him? This is a guy he doesn't like. Let's see if I can get him killed. Okay, this is what I want. I want to kill. This is he doesn't like Schneider. This is what I'll do. Jesse falls asleep, and fucking. Now, do they find him later on with no with no shirt on? Is that after Schneider's death? Or, yeah, or, or he, gets back, he, br- gets yeah he gets brought back. He gets brought back. Yeah, he gets brought back cops. naked to his parents. Does this belong to you? Yeah. Okay, so that is it. Okay, so that that definitely. I'm not saying it's it's obviously the realm of possibility. But he's sleep, he's be, sleepwalking. He's sleepwalking. Is yeah, what's essentially it, happening? Yeah, why can't it be just that? And you know, Freddie kills Schneider. And that's it. With all, without all that stuff of him making him run laps and everything else. If you're thinking about it from a dream perspective, maybe it doesn't have to be, you know, face value the way we're seeing. Because honestly, we don't know what's going on later. In the, in, in the third act of the film, I, I think that there's times where you could say that they are talking to Freddie or they're talking to Jesse. You don't even know because when when Freddie comes out of Jesse in Grady's room. Jesse's gone. His skin falls. He should be dead. There should be no more Jesse. I know. Yeah, but then, but, then, but okay. then after you see Grady killed, you flip, pan back to Jesse. And it's in his hand in yeah, the mirror. I get it. It's sloppy. It, it is, is sloppy, very sloppy. Or is it? Yeah, I always thought that it's sloppy. But maybe it's just a different perspective. And maybe at the end of the film, when all that crazy shit's going on, and the guy's talking to Freddy, saying, hey, we just want to help you. Maybe it's not Freddy that we're seeing. Maybe it's not Freddy that he's seeing. Maybe he's seeing Jesse. We're seeing it as Freddy because we're in the know because we're the viewer of the film. You know, no, I don't think so because at that point Jesse's at Grady's house. Yeah, I think I think they should have once Freddy came out of him, it should have been Freddy. They should have not had the scene of him showing up back at the party covered in fucking blood, left, right, and center, <laughs> and then turning into Freddy two seconds later again. So they might as well at that point somehow worked it in that it cuts back to her trying to get ready to find him and Fre- and then he pops up as Freddy there already. They've already brought him into the real world. It's already been a done deal. I don't even have a problem with that. And I'll go f- so far as to say that I think the pool sequence has managed to wedge its way into horror icon status as a scene that people will remember. Whether you like it or not, but it, it, it's a scene that people actually remember. So I think I think it's an epic scene because it's mass chaos. He he jumps through the window and vanishes and pops up. That guy tries to talk him down. He gets sliced up. You're all my children now. There's a lot happening there. Father comes up with a shotgun trying to blast him. People are going to remember this scene. It's just unfortunately the best part of a really shoddy film. And getting there doesn't always make sense. <laughs> 
And that's the real problem with me for this film is I really want to make sense of it, but there's just it's so disconjointed and it just it really bugs me because I feel like they had some good ideas here. It's still an Elm Street film. I still like it. I'm not as high on it as other people, though, because I see a lot of issues with it compared to to some of the other films. But I think people are high on this film. Yeah, I know a lot of people that really like this film. It used to be, I think a lot of people thought it was one of the worst, but I, I definitely don't think that anymore. But I agree, Dave. I think a lot of people, there are, just recently, I see people ranking it as their second or third favorite. A lot but, of people rank it as their third favorite. Yeah, and I, me, I, can, and I, can I don't even know. I don't even know. If, it's probably like my fifth favorite, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, but you know, it's. I don't know. It's just not. It's not. It just doesn't entertain me because I they feel like they underutilize the character of Lisa. I mean, she ultimately turns out to be our 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 final girl and our our strongest protagonist. No, because, Jesse's the final girl, unfortunately. Yeah, Je- Je- Jesse's yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a year before Tommy like Six. Uh, <laughs> I will say this: I also don't think Lisa's that great. I I, I want to like I her, and that's my biggest problem. I I don't like her. I f- kind of find her annoying. Her ecstasy faces work me. I there's just there's a lot happening that just rubs me the wrong way. I say I like her. She's she's actually young. I think she's she was actually like a teenager filming this. So. I feel like it, it made more sense. She wasn't like in her twenties, like like all the other actors were. But I, I don't know. I liked her. I liked the fact that she she finds the diary in Jesse's room, and she actually explores the mythology of 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 everything that happened with Nancy, and and reading more into it while Jesse's just running around screaming at the top of his lungs, being useless. Well, I like I like how they wrote the character. I just don't like maybe then her. Something oh, yeah. about I, I her. I'm- is what I'm not yeah. liking. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. She's a little, I don't know. A There's a little whininess that. to her. I like her. Yeah, I got I, no issue. I mean, the guy shows up covered in blood her. at the fucking party. I'm like, you know, maybe this isn't going to work out. <laughs> I know, right? He goes, she goes chasing him back to that that uh, boiler uh, uh, power plant, whatever the fuck it was. It's that, terrible, that like, the At the end there. I mean, oh, I know what, they wanted the, 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 the dogs with the baby faces. The All dogs. that stuff. All those practical effects <laughs> were misfires. Misfires. He even said it. The, the guy who did the effects. He said he said he didn't put in his best work. I think he said he was working on Aliens at the time. Yeah. And he's yeah. kind of just yes. kind of. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what he said. He said I'm working on Aliens. So I kind of didn't really do my best work. But it, the it melting looked, effects were good though. Yeah. The yeah. melting effect was great, and, and yeah. the coming and the coming out of Jesse. <laughs> oh my god I, I was almost expecting him to, to switch and start saying Cordell, Cordell. <laughs> what dude Freddy is so weak at the end of this film all of a sudden he yes. gets so weak so quick and I don't really know why it's love love conquers yeah. all and the first one you turned away from it and this one it's the love conquers all which has been I think done to death as well in some of these movies defeat the monster by sucking face and loving him I don't mind that because because they're dealing with possession. So the fact is, you know, the idea is Freddy has taken over Jesse and there's only like a shred of Jesse left. And, you know, Freddy hints that Jesse's completely gone, but Lisa won't give up. She's, she's pleading with him, telling him she loves him. And ultimately the kiss sets him free. It's cheesy, whatever. But, and, you know, at least it makes sense. Unlike when the hell is Jesse dreaming? When the hell is, is he killing as Freddy? When the hell is Freddy killing you know what the hell is going on? 
Well, they drag out a lot. Like I said earlier, yeah. there's way too many scenes of Jesse just waking up and like <laughs> covered, covered head to toe in wet. And then and wet. Yeah. yeah, but they're cool scenes, though. When you went the first time with all the melting shit, yeah. that's fucking great. Yeah, but that's, that's, yeah, really well, that's, cool. that's because the father had the thermostat at 97 degrees. Hey, let's yeah, talk did. about the father. Clue. Clue great. is Clue's fucking great. fantastic in this. Yeah. He's great in all the other He's the best part of the documentary. <laughs> oh, he's he's absolutely, everything he says is absolutely hilarious. In that, and, in and, his, and his reactions are great. But no, he had he had some great lines in this movie too. But there's just so many misfires. Like I mean, the, the bird scene. Oh god, I love it so much. It's one of my favorite scenes. Of all time in any fucking movie. It's so fucking funny. It's so bad, but it's good. It's great. Why would that happen? It's we great. Change, it's we should change great. our names then to the exploding birds. <laughs> <laughs> and how big the bird got when it exploded. It was a normal sized parachute. And then all of a sudden, it, it quadrupled in size right when it blew. It how, about, how, how about the rational it, it explanation? How about the rational explanation the father has? Oh, it must have been the cheap seeds you bought. Yeah, yeah the cheap seeds. <laughs> and then. And then he and then he says to Jesse, "This was all you're doing. What, what would you what you use? A, a cherry bomb? You set this up. <laughs> yeah, <damn> cherry bomb. <laughs> but the fuse of that thing would have had to be like it's a, I got to have this thing lit and wait like for two minutes with this bird flying around, and the feathers that come off of that when the thing explodes. <laughs> the feathers are falling for like ten minutes afterward. I love it. Feathers. I love. There's always feathers falling in these movies. Yeah. You know, it's one, two, yeah. and three for sure. It's a fucking, it's a motif. Yeah. Falling feathers and Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, since you got the feathers, why don't you uh, tickle my ass? The worst thing, <laughs> the worst thing I notice in this too is like that scene where he he goes into his daughter, his sister's room and she's jumping rope. She doesn't have a bed. <laughs> she doesn't have a bed. She's just jumping rope in the room. That's all that's in the room. They could have taken this film to the next level if he had killed his sister. See, I thought that was cool. I, I never realized he didn't have a bed because I thought it was so cool that, that somebody thought to say, hey, let's have the sister be the jump rope girl. I think that's fucking clever. I was being a smartass there. That no, is a great I, sequence. That is actually a great sequence. Him finding the gloves no. is Good. There's some good stuff here. Yes. When you see Freddy hiding him, that's actually kind of scary. When he's having that dream, imagine that being you. You fucking have a dream, and you look outside your house, and you, you see something, and you see someone in your basement putting fucking, you know, taking the gloves out of the fire and doing shit. That's fucking scary, man. Damn. Again, like there's some stuff here that scared me when I was younger, but I admittedly knew it was lacking as well, even at that young age. That I thought, you know, this is cool, but... It, Something's just not it's, working. It's the some of the effects, even though we talk about the good ones. Some of the, like the opening scene with the bus driving into the desert. That was so it's great. I thought it was cheesy as hell. What? I, okay, back to what Christian just said about being a kid. This was the first one I saw, and I got a, a funny fucking. You guys are gonna laugh at me, but what the fuck ever. I never saw part one. I don't know why, but when part two came out, it was advertised, and they gave him a name. To me, that legitimized the fucking. The, the, the series when all of a sudden they, they said freddy's revenge i was like oh who's this freddy there's a new fucking there's a new icon in horror i gotta see what this is so i drove to fucking rite aid on my bike which was not a very long ride but it's not a place i would ordinarily ride by myself and when the movie came out on d on pardon me dvd on fucking vhs <laughs> on vhs i stayed there on a saturday because you know people run it on friday nights 
I went to, I wanted to see this movie so bad when it came to VHS that I drove to Rite Aid and I told the fucking clerk working at Rite Aid that I'm waiting for Nightmare on Street 2 to come back. And I stayed inside Rite Aid all fucking day waiting for someone to return the fucking VHS. I think <laughs> like that story is 95% true. I think you actually said to the clerk, I'm waiting for that new Mark Patton film to come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you drove to Rite Aid, rode your bike to Rite Aid to get and the new cover Mark Patton. The original, the cover on this one was that, that shitty cover of just Freddy with his gloves and there was like all the fire in the background. in this fucking franchise. Oh, see, I, I, I disagree. I, I know, but I like, I like where they went and like with I like one, three, and beyond, but like two for They're inaccurate. Period. Yeah. That's the problem. They don't suck. Let accuracy. Me it. Who needs accuracy? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> they do look cool, but they're not accurate. So I have a problem with each and every one, which is strange. It's just, I don't know. It's the way. Yeah, I but know. sleepaway camp. There was never a knife through a shoe, was there? <laughs> it's not medically accurate. I suppose it could have happened. You have to kill a shoe now. <laughs> no, the cover they have now is him embracing the girl, looking in the mirror, and, and it's a it, it, the skeleton with the claw. But not that's not yeah. the cover that I had when I rented it. It was just a close-up of Freddy's face, him kind of snarling, holding the blades up, and it was like a fiery background to it or something. And that's and that's Jesse and Lisa. And look, you see the giant bird in the background in this one. <laughs> the giant bird. Before, before it explodes. The lightning's hitting him, and he's about to explode. <laughs> And how about, speaking of gloves, no glove in this fucking movie half the time. That, that's a problem I have, that there was no glove. Just... When he comes into the real world, it's almost like they've come out of it. They become part of it, like Videodrome. Yeah. It's almost Videodrome. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like the hand and, and weapon have become one. Yeah. He's, an ex- he's an extension now of, of Jesse. You well, see the glove when he sleepwalks and he, he falls and it's on the ground, but no, definitely and, under, underutilized. And... And hey, I don't know, listeners out there, if you if you notice this too, I always find everything, every revelation takes a second. Like when he's, wake up, little girl. It seems Jesse, great. Jesse, it's okay. Go back to bed. <laughs> and then, That's cool. And then he puts the cover up, and, and he's wearing the glove, and it makes a ting, and then he reacts. Yeah. And then it, it's like everything just takes like a couple, two beats too many to realize I'm wearing the glove and it made a noise and now I'm reacting to it. I was just like, oh, for You're, fuck's sake. That's true. That's true. And speaking of that, that, that ting, I do like the soundtrack in this film. I'm very sad that they, they strayed away from Bernstein's fucking brilliant, epic fucking score of the first one. But what Christopher Young does in this one very true to this film. It's good and it works. And I wish you could get it and you can't. You cannot fucking find this this sound. I, I go on like uh, Apple Music and they have like, I listen to Sinister One and Two fucking from Christopher Young. I listen to tons of Christopher Young's work and this one is not on there and it's disappointing because I think it's cool. I mean, it fits this film. Again, I'm disappointed because I'm thinking if I'm making this film, that was epic, that score in the first one. I'm definitely going to use it again. Why would I not? But they didn't, but at least they got this creepy type of score. Which, which adds to the film. It's a dark film. It's, it, it, it's a creepy score. It definitely has pluses. It just gets too fucking confusing. It really very, does. Very confusing. And, and, and I tried to rationalize it earlier. That's what I'm saying. I want to be able to say, hey, this is what it was. Maybe it's really Jesse the whole time. Maybe this, Maybe it's a dream. And uh, These are just thoughts I had this time watching it because I wanted to be able to come here and completely rationalize it. But... I also have it on my notes. The movie's ultimately just too confusing. You don't know 
what really is what. And and, and for a to, short running time, this is the shortest one in the franchise. It runs very slow. Christian, did you just send that picture of the old yeah. cover art? Yeah, I yeah. hate that. That's right. Yeah. That's the cover art. So if you guys are out there looking, you'll see it's because you don't see this cover art anymore, but that was a VHS cover art, and it's just Freddy peeking around with fire behind him, and it's like a blue background with not even the Freddy house on it. It's just bizarre. Yeah, anyway, horrible. You're saying well, yeah, the, there's a house there. It's not Freddy's house. No. The the movie kind of drags for for the shortest running film in the franchise. Agreed. It's like an hour and twenty five minutes. In it. Towards the end, I really like the setup. I really like the first the first actor. I like when he meets Grady and the girl and everything and everything that goes. I like Grady as a character too. He Robert Russell's fucking pretty pretty solid. I just I, I like the opening dream. I like all that shit. See, I, 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 just, li- I like the I didn't mind the characters. I just feel like they I, the story's just a mess, and I feel like that's where it failed for me. Yeah, I like Clue. I, I like Clue. I like Grady. And I like the pool party. I actually like that massacre sequence. I think they, they went for something big there. And yeah, I don't care that Freddy's out in the real world at this point because they set that up for, for the story here. I think that pool sequence is epic. The downfall is it happens to be in a weak installment. I just have one question. Do you think Grady really threw his grandmother down the stairs? <laughs> why, did, why, did he, why didn't he go to the party? Because he was grounded. I don't think for that. I think he was just being a smartass. But I just think he was grounded for something else. He's a trouble troublemaker type of kid. You know, he's a smartass. He probably didn't throw his grandmother down a flight of stairs. But I don't know. If he did, I think he'd get a little more trouble than that. Carrie wanted <laughs> to get with him. He should have gone to the party and gotten with Carrie. Oh, I like her. I, I definitely like that girl. She's, what, another character in this film I like. She's she's attractive. I thought the females were underutilized in the film. I liked, I liked Lisa, too. I liked Lisa and Carrie, and I felt like maybe they should have been used more. Well, maybe because of what we talked about, the subtext of, of all the, the, the gay... Oh, but without a doubt. But if you're going to do that, then at least make the story make sense. Okay, there's two things I have to bring up. The um, dance. The dance, <laughs> of course, which is fucking... That's fucking great. I thought you were going to bring up Probe and say you want to play a game of Probe. That, but... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, I will. The dance is amazing. And at the end, while he does that thing... And then fucking jumps off. It's great and, and cheesy and eighties and, and everything you know about that. Awesome. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I know he talks about how much he hates that, regrets oh, it's that. Great. And, and you know what? I actually like that scene. I love it. It's great. It's fucking great. But here's the question. Sure. Go ahead, see. No, no. I was gonna say I played it on half speed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. Here's a dream. A wet dream. Dude falls asleep in class. Jesse falls asleep in class. And the snake, <laughs> the snake somehow ends up on him, yet nobody realizes the snake somehow magically came out of the fucking tank and onto Jesse while he was asleep until somebody screams and notices it. Oh, what it, the it's fuck? him. It's, it's Jesse, Jesse who screams. That's yeah. all Jesse and, does in this movie is scream. Scream like right. uh, and, and Grady <laughs> seems, to, seems to take full responsibility for it because he's laughing as if he did it. Yeah. Right. But I they think... show the snake crawling on him and they yeah. show the kid next to him writing. Writing in a fucking notebook, sitting there continuously writing while there's a snake fucking six inches from crawling on the guy. How about how many teacher notice. got? How about how many teacher got? Like, if you like, want to play with animals, go to the zoo. Yeah, yeah like like Jesse was hurting the snake or something. Like, leave my snake alone. 
You will not get my trouser snake. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's where they're going for it. Oh and, yeah, without a doubt. Because that that scene really, once again, it's it's just asinine. It is asinine, and then and Grady <laughs> does act like he does it, and then Jesse flips him off like he's fucking like he did it to him. I'm like, what the fuck is this? But here's the thing: the pool party. Here's my problem with the pool party. Okay, the exploding fucking hot dogs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know sometimes they plump up if you don't poke a hole through the skin they will those explode. are evil dogs they're, they're like firecrackers the way they blow the, the sound they the make pops the pops explode they too <laughs> they had two but here's the thing if you're at a party and a bunch of fucking hot dogs start exploding that way and then someone puts the fire out stops it would you just continue to stay at that party and think nothing of it? Like that's a normal occurrence every so often. Well, like like shaking a fucking uh, a can of pop in the fucking. You know what I mean? I would have left when the father was playing his Benny Goodman record. <laughs> you wouldn't have been invited, Brandon. Let's face it. <laughs> I'm kidding. But you know what? No, the way that they did it there, and he shut it down, and everybody sort of cheered. Like my he hero. hero. That was great. I thought that they they that's how they got away with it, but. And again, I don't think I'd think anything about it because I wouldn't think, you know, Freddie was going to be coming to get me if some exploding hot dogs happened. Okay, so see, I'm going to have a fucking 4th of July party here. You're going to come to my house. We're going to be in the pool. We're going to be having some drinks. This, and all of a sudden, by my fucking grill, <laughs> 12 hot dogs starts to fucking blow up and make firecracker noises. And this and that. Everyone's freaking out. You're just going to carry around like, oh, oh I'm going to take care of that, Dave. Let's. I'll be like, are, they, are they Hebrew national? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're kosher dogs. Yes. They're kosher dogs. All right. <laughs> Wouldn't you I'm get staying. the fuck out? Wouldn't you I'm, say no, the I'm staying. Out? If they're kosher dogs, I'm staying. <laughs> I'm like, I hope he has extras. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought they were very nonchalant about exploding hot dogs. That's all. I don't know. That, that's that's our new name. That's our name, too. Exploding hot dogs. <laughs> You're right. Exploding birds and hot dogs. That, that sums up Nightmare 2. That's what the cover box should be. Just birds and hot dogs exploding. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'd get a poster of that. You're right. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's great. Did, oh. You said you had something else, too, I think. No? Uh, or the exploding that it? hot dogs, the uh, the snake on the boy, um, the fucking... The POV sister thing I actually liked. You made a joke, but I, I do agree that it's silly. But the setup was cool. It was actually kind of scary. It was like watching Amityville, like seeing the POV. It's like because it goes up the stairs and this and that. Like, what is this? You know what I mean? And that's the no wait. It is creepy. But then write but, something better to say. Go wake up, little girl. Oh, nothing. Go back to sleep. <laughs> like <laughs> it's a dumb. It's a dumb follow up line. Like you could just sure. say uh. No, no, everything's okay. Ching, and then whatever. Like, I don't know why he says, go back to sleep. Wake up, go back to sleep. He should have killed her. It was Jesse and Freddie toying yeah. with each other. Jesse yeah. won out. He should have, Freddie should have overtaken and just exploded her or something. Yeah. Like, put, a, hot dogs? Put, a hot, put a hot dog in her mouth and watch her explode. <laughs> how about the kid with the Rocky shorts? You know how Rocky was this fucking... Uh... The red, white, and blue shorts, like the fucking American flag. He shows up in this movie three times with those shorts on. And guess what? He was the first person Freddie killed at the fucking pool party. And I was so glad when it happened. <laughs> because Those fucking shorts. Did, we, he kept wearing them. He wore them in the fucking Then he yelled, squash your shorts, fucker. And then he killed them. <laughs> I will say two other things soon. I mentioned this when uh, Vincent and I did this for TGIF 13. That if you actually pay attention to the wardrobe in this movie... 
you can see that they are wearing the same clothes, but in different scenes. So Jesse will be wearing like an outfit and then they'll cut to something else. And then it'll be two days later and he's wearing that same outfit again. It's just, you'll just notice shit like that. You know, okay, you know how I think this would have been better suited if it wasn't a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Imagine this story. We just find out the backstory through the diary and then through like flashbacks about a serial killer's victim who lived in the house. Because he said this girl went crazy because her mother killed herself in her living room and she saw her boyfriend get hacked across the street. Imagine if we didn't know anything about dreams whatsoever looking back on part one and this was a movie directed by somebody else uh, or not directed by written by whatever not a not a nightmare on Elm street movie where this was the movie and it's about being possessed by the killer who happened to kill in the house and cause trouble i think that could have been it could, it could be called probe <laughs> or, my, or my soul to take probe because they're probing <laughs> for the truth and because my of all the overtones and my whole to take. Hold, my whole to take. <laughs> Almost like it's a Hellraiser movie, but without the pin, like and Pinhead wedged in, like uh, a script that they use for Hellraiser. This is almost like the script they used, but they did make this specifically as a as a nightmare script. But I hear you. It could have played out very easily. It's just yeah, my hold to take. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and it does, you, you guys notice one more thing. It doesn't sound like Jesse at all when when he's talking. When he says, kill me, Lisa. And in that scene when they're at the party and fucking he starts talking, for some reason, it always bothered me. And maybe it's not Mark Patton. Maybe it was done later on. But when he's talking to her, it doesn't seem like fucking it's Jesse's voice at all. It's so weird. But I don't know if anybody else noticed that or not, but it's always been. I, I, so know, I know what you're saying, yes. Yeah. And then you hear Freddy, there is no Jesse. I'm Jesse now. He's <laughs> The way he says Jesse sounds like fucking uh, Walter White later on in fucking Breaking Bad. Jesse! You know? <laughs> Maybe it was George Patton. <laughs> I swear to God, I almost made a George Patton joke, <laughs> but I'm glad I didn't and you made it because I said to myself, it's not going to land. And you know what? You just proved me right. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I, you know what? I've come up on this film a little bit, shockingly. I know maybe I haven't said a lot positive tonight, but I, I, I did enjoy this more, this view, than I have on the last few times I've watched it. And I gave it six exploding hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice. Same rating as me. It's definitely six out of ten. Yeah. I, I, I want it to come in a little lower, but I'll, I'll stay at a six as well. Nice. So glad to hear that. Good. We didn't shit on this movie like so many do. It's shocking because I guess there's just worse to come. There is. There definitely is. But yeah. So that's Nightmare 2. Nice. Nice. Did Freddy get his revenge? I don't know. I don't think he was really getting revenge on anybody. Dumb, dumb title as well. That was just, (laughs) again, they just wanted to, to market that name. But it worked. It worked on me. I went right. It was the first one I saw. I couldn't wait to see it. It legitimized it for me. Oh, my Nightmare Elm 2, Freddy's Revenge. Who's Freddy? It's a new horror icon. I got to see this. And I fucking waited all day long for someone to bring the VHS back. And I'll never forget. The guy goes, here it is. The guy brought it back. Yes. The the part two. The part two wasn't enough of a fucking... uh... Maybe I should get part one to find out who this guy is. <laughs> it should have been called Jesse's Girl. Yeah. <laughs> There's a video. Alex did a fucking video, and it's great. Look it up. It's probably on the Skeleton Crew show. I think it's what it's called. Uh, um, YouTube. It was great. I'm telling you. I, I, I can't pimp it enough. It's called, There's a video called Jesse's Girl because he loves this movie. 
and it's basically almost like Robert Russler's character has a crush on fucking Jesse. And did he play or Rick not, Springfield in it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The song is in it. It's, it's okay. a video by Rick right. Springfield's Jesse's girl, oh, okay. ma- making it sound like Grady wants fucking what's her name, and, and it's edited in such a way that 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 it works. It's really cool. So, yeah, I'll check, check it out. that out. All right, so two down, two to go. Let's fly through these fuckers. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Welcome the prime time, bitch. All right, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, 1987, directed by Chuck Russell. A psychiatrist familiar with knife-wielding dream demon Freddy Krueger helps teens at a mental hospital battle the killer who is invading their dreams. Now, this was written originally Craven and Bruce Wagner had had like a really ambitious script, but then uh, Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell, I think, kind of rewrote things. And I think they're the ones who are mainly credited with this. I'd like to know who wrote what because there's, you know, there's a lot of writers credited for this. Yeah, I hear you. But this, you know, Dream Warriors, obviously one of the standouts in the franchise. Well, what it looks like is, or, or sounds like, and again from the retro standpoint, is that uh, Bob Shea could not seem to um, <laughs> just make a decision <laughs> or something. Like it always seemed like he did not like the idea that was being presented and wanted to pursue other options or whatnot. So the great thing about this is that it is the most fun sequel. I was shocked to hear that there were issues with Chuck Russell on the set and that, you know, people had problems with him from the acting standpoint because he was too focused on the effects. But for a movie like this, you know, you want the acting to work and it does work. So obviously he focuses attention on the right area. Yeah, but it did sound like he was real pricky to a lot of these actors. In particular, uh, Patricia Arquette, considering she couldn't remember any of her lines at the start of filming. <laughs> yeah, it was surprising. Because you, you would, usually when you watch these uh, documentaries and you hear about all the stuff going on in production and uh, on the set and everything else and it being a disaster, the movie usually ends up suffering as a result. And in this case, uh, <laughs> there's really there's little to none, nothing that I can... Wow. Say this wrong with this film. I love those that little opening uh, quote from Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, it's great! Yeah, S- sleep those little slices of death. How I loathe them. <laughs> That's I awesome. love the whole credit sequence with the paper mache and, and oh, creating the, the pap- house. Fantastic! So cool. Not only so- that, the, her building the house uh, almost feels like we're back to part one, where now she's constructing the house, whereas in the first one it's Freddie constructing the glove. But then immediately we, she dreams herself into her paper mache house. Which is awesome. This movie just feels bigger right out of the gate. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> and you know what? Like, I know there are people out there already saying, what the fuck? There's been no mention of Dawkins. And we're not going to talk about that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we know if you had the VHS, you had to watch the fucking video before you even got to the movie. The <laughs> right? right? <laughs> it was great at the time. Yeah. Oh, it was great. Doc, Dawkins fun, but it Dave, is... did you did you wait at the uh, video store for that one to come back? <laughs> uh, no, no, I, this I is the movie. No, 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 no. I was I, I. This is the movie I saw with a bunch of friends on a Friday night, and it's one of those experiences that every time I watch it, there's so much I love about it, but it's always very nostalgic for me. 
the end for some reason. When the movie ends and you see that light come out of the house, the, the paper mache house, and the credits roll and it's the docking song, it's all it always takes me back to the first time I saw it in the nineteen eighties and just what a great time to be alive and just everything going on. It's just on top of it being a great movie, when you add nostalgia to it as well, it just yeah, it just it's it's a it's a real it's a real special movie to me. Like I, I know I ended up bringing Nightmare One higher and that's special too, but this movie has more nostalgia in it than a lot of other horror movies for me, period. So it's it's always gonna you know, yeah, I you know look, I I I rate Nightmare One a perfect film. We just did that, obviously, but I, I've definitely I come up on this one the more I watch it. I've always loved it. I just I don't think I've ever rated it super super high. But the more I watch it, the the less issue I I take with it. There are a few things that I have issues with, but nothing that really d- ever detracts from the joy of the film. But I love it's got such a strong opening with her dreaming herself into that house. And the, the scene with the little girl, and it was interesting mm-hmm. watching that the Never Sleep Again documentary, hearing about how originally the special effects guy built a a little girl dummy in, yeah. in sort of the form of like an Auschwitz uh, girl, and how yeah, they just thought it was just too, so fucked up. But they actually showed it in the documentary, and man, that thing looked absolutely amazing. I kind of wish they had used it. Not mm-hmm. saying that the, the the skeleton is just as creepy and effective in, in the film but man if they had that in there holy fuck i agree that would have been even more effective I like, you could tell it's fake too when she's running with it I'm yeah it, yeah it that, like that, a that, fucking that's, doll. yeah <laughs> that's yeah it shrinks immediately but still it's awesome i like how she's she's running in the mud and it, it really mm-hmm. feels like a genuine dream because that's that's one of the things that, that happens in your dreams i've had those dreams many times you know you just can't seem to run and the last minute you get away and then the only thing that looked a little sketchy was when she goes into the room and sees all the bodies hanging. Oh, I've never had an issue with that either. I, I don't have an issue with it. It just looked a, it just looked a little fake. I mean, I know it is fake, but it looked a little too fake. Well, I'll tell you this about this movie real quick, straight up. You don't even. This is one series. I don't know how many movies you can say this about where you can go from one to three and not even watch two. And I was just about to say it. that. They, it's like is they it, ignored two. Like isn't two, that something? two did not exist. I've, and it's kind of like it's kind of like Friday four to six. You really don't need five in in there for any so, plot devices. For, for well, one I, reason only, because of a, a, a throwaway line that you've been locked up in some mental institution since or something. And, and because at the end, when he's with Horace, you get the you get the impression that they escape the place where there's mental. You know what I mean? But that's it's almost throwaway. So I I, I hear you. But this, there's absolutely no tie-in whatsoever to yeah, fucking like, part. Yeah, that's because they brought, you know, Wes Craven sort of came back for a little while and at least got uh, Heather Langenkamp to come back before he departed this film. So best, best, best move ever. Because oh, absolutely. Because her coming back with the fucking white in her hair. Yeah, okay, she plays... So, uh, it's a little leap to accept her as a character that she is, but... Because of her past, you can believe it. She's a hotshot grad student in, yeah. you know, in dream psychology. And now all of a sudden she's brought into Weston Hills to assist with Dr. Gordon, who hasn't started working for Jigsaw yet. <laughs> well, the- <laughs> and that's the thing about this. We talked about the fact that you know Chuck Russell focused on the effects, and there are some great fucking effects in this. But let's not forget the characters. And that's... 
what makes this movie great yes. is that they're all likable characters. Yes. And this yeah. is why I probably, uh, when younger, probably watched this one more often than the original. But now over time, I'd say I've definitely seen the original more than three. But back in the day, I played this one over and over and over again. Part of that was because of my crush on Taryn. But also, I loved the marionette kill and what happens to Phil. Because that scene is disturbingly gory and effective. And also, what I was alluding to when we were talking about part one, also fucks around with what's happening in the dream versus what's happening in real life. And this one reverses it. So what's happening in the dream is he sees himself with his uh, intestine, uh, his intestines, his veins being popped <laughs> up, marionetting him through. But in reality, he's sleepwalking. And that's what the yeah. people are seeing in reality. And I wish it was reversed and played out like the original. Whereas in reality, that was what was happening. No shit, huh? And in the dream, that's what was happening, to be honest. Because that's oh, yeah. kind of what it was set up in the original. I know why they play around with it here. But really, at the end of the day, the nurse never sees him. And then on top of it all, in that same sequence, he goes through a fucking door. That's yeah, the only yeah. problem. You're yeah, right. That, that's the issue. If he's going to walk through the door, show show the tendons, show the veins hanging out, because at this point it doesn't kind of make any sense anyway. But but it still works. It would be cool if the kids at least saw it, because they're all obviously linked up, having dreamt about the same same man being the last of the Elm Street children. Yeah. You know what? I, I said it last time, uh, maybe on the Slasher show, whichever it was, I mentioned that when they, I remember being young and, and seeing it the first time and seeing Phillips kill and saying, we're on to something new here. This is a new territory. It blew me away to see that kill. I'm like, we've never seen anything like this before, and it blew me away. But this time watching it, there's actually a precursor to that even before. And it, it's actually quite brilliant the way they set it up because I'm talking about um, Kristen when she has that, that quote-unquote suicide attempt. When oh. she walks into the room, you know the the, yeah. um, the handles for the for for the faucets turn come up and they turn into fucking Freddy's gloves. Yeah, yeah. And then on top of it, then to take it a step further with okay, that's Freddy, and this happens, and this. Then they have the slit wrists, and then the mother comes in. It's like oh, okay, so Freddy's going to make it look like they're trying to off themselves. Which and, why and would that, he care? I don't know, but I mean, it's still fucking cool. So and that slit wrist looked amazing. Boy, doesn't it? Slit wrists always looked amazing. I found it looked better, funny enough, on video. And now that you got the clarity of DVD and, of course, now Blu-ray, that True. you could see a, a little bit more of the prosthetic. It, it sticks out a little bit more, but it doesn't take away from the fact that that scene is kick-ass. And the whole suicide angle, well, I think it's timely, whether it be back in 1987 or today, and I think adds another layer to this movie. Yeah. It is great, and we're back to actual dreams. The same, this, this, what I said, lack in part two. Kids go to sleep, kids dream, kids get fucking killed by their boogeyman. Pretty simple. Yeah, and they, tie, and they tie it back in with part one, because in part one, Nancy makes makes a reference to the, uh, in the sleep clinic, to, why don't you give me something that, that'll keep me from dreaming? And the doctor says dreams are important, and of course, since she introduces the whole hypnosil. Hypnosil? Nipidol still. <laughs> Sorry, on TJF13, we always screw up the name. It, it is Hypnosil. Uh, yeah. It is Hypnosil. I'm a fucking doctor looking at that pill so obviously. Could you imagine he would do something like that? I, I really noticed it. I, I've always noticed it, but I, 
You see, if a girl spills something out of her pocket, out of her purse, and you grab her pillows, are you really going to turn the fucking thing over to look to see what fucking medication she Vagisil. takes? Vagisil. <laughs> oh, fuck. Just put you on the do not disturb list. The, that marionette, I love the fact that they introduce the characters first. Of course, you get to know everybody. Even if it's one scene, you get to know everybody. So when you meet Philip, they talk about him not being able to have a knife. But... That whole scene where the marionette turns into Freddy is great. Great, as I already mentioned. But what this is starting to do already is Freddy's already put into the spotlight. So where he was in the shadows in 1 and 2, he's now in the spotlight. Right. No question about it. This is the movie that puts him in the spotlight. This is the full start of the cracking wise Freddy. But However. it is a great fucking start because everything lands exactly. in this movie it's not overkill i have and literally 40 minutes before he speaks a word where you look at the sequels fucking 15 minutes in he's cracking some fucking wise it's this a movie, boy right dude dude <laughs> none of that happens here he's okay what's the matter joey feeling tongue-tied he says a thing but then later on he says something where I could tell the difference between that that and what comes later. That scene with what's his name, Will, when he when he when he's talking to him, and he goes, "But when you wake up, he goes, it'll be back in the cell again." I love right? it. But I love in this movie. Yeah. I love it too because of the, the the delivery of it. It sounds like Freddy from one and two. If that would have been in something four, five, or six, it would he would have said it like, "It'll be back in the cell again." Yeah, was, he hams uh, it up. This is it's still sub- subtle, more subdued. I mean, the Woulda yes. Rush, all the lines work still. Yes, they and do. that's because I, they, <laughs> it's a package deal. You're getting it with great performances. You're getting it with great effects. Uh, and it's also it also looks good. Uh, and the nightmare imagery has been souped up a notch. Now we're starting to get set pieces, but they work. And so, Brandon, you're about to say something. No, I'd say if uh, if that line was in a later sequel, probably would have been it's back in the high life again. <laughs> Steve Winwood. Yeah, he probably would have started singing. <laughs> now, my 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 issue with this film, and it's a good issue, is that and you know you guys mentioned this earlier, is that there are so many characters that we just don't get enough time with some of them. Well, I love all I love all the three movies. Yeah, I want I wanted more. I kind of wanted more more group more group therapy scenes. Straight talk only. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was so, a, a blatant uh, rip on part two. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I've said this before too. I feel that the movie gets a little episodic when the Dream Warriors become Dream Warriors and they start squaring off against Freddy, and it's individualized. Where it's like the 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 right. pillow the pillow feathers coming down, and it introduces yeah. Taryn and then Will. But they had to off them somehow. Yeah, that, that becomes the problem when you have five writers involved. However, I feel like they still made this movie sensical and and fun. Yes, you could use a little bit more, but then maybe we would have said this movie could have used 10 minutes trim from it. Who knows? Right now, I'm not saying that because this movie clicks along beautifully. I agree. Do you have any issue with 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 Dr. Gordon being the one that sees uh... Amanda? Yeah, 
I can't believe that's what I wrote down, and I, it never fucking bothered me until it, this time. And I was it, like, why wouldn't she come to fucking Nancy? Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's it, I don't I didn't even have it written down. Oh. I'm just thinking about it now, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah. wouldn't Dude. Nancy be the one? Sorry. But still, that my note literally says Amanda comes to him and not Nancy. Exclamation yeah. point. <laughs> because it never Very valid. bothered me. Yeah. You know why? Maybe maybe because it right down to that last revelation of, of of finding out who she is, even though I think I figured this out well before I mean I'm going I'm trying to think back to my first time watching it. I don't think there was any question of who she was. Again, the revelations at the after Nancy's she, funeral. I knew who she was from the second time on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm yeah, trying to remember I, I, back, but I know the revelations at the end there, but I think that she knows so much that you just assume that she's the mother. Yeah, I think. Yeah, but it, just, it just seems like the link to, to Dr. Gordon didn't seem to fit as much as it would have if it was Nancy. Especially, like, why is he seeing them now? He's been doing group with these kids. I don't know how long the kids have been there, but he's been doing group with the kids for a while. Why wouldn't it uh, well, have happened earlier? Here's what's weird, because he says he's seen her. He goes, yeah, I've seen you at the hospital. You do, you do charity work with so-and-so. And he goes, from time to time when I'm yeah. here. So we, why would he be seeing her right along when Freddie hasn't really been in the picture? And she's been dead for fucking years. That's what I'm saying. Maybe it just has her spirit to be involved. Maybe it just has to do with the simple fact that that she knows these are the last of the Elm Street children, and and he and she's around because she knows that Freddie's going to come for them. So she's making herself known to to one of the leaders. And the so. other and the other doctor, Doctor Sims, is um, Priscilla Pointer, who is uh, Carrie's mom. Yeah, Carrie's. Uh, one of the oh. Pointer sisters. I'm Sue. just burning. Doing that Carrie's the mom. Carrie's Sue best Snell. friend's mom. Yeah. Sue, Sue <laughs> Snell's mom. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, it also and just Kristen's that... mom is the mom from the girl from Friday Five. What? Kristen's oh, in real mom. life. Yeah, in real life. Brooke, Brooke, Brooke Bundy. Yeah, Brooke Bundy. Yes. Yeah. She is. She's the girl that does the. Uh, There's a man with no life in his eyes. Yeah. You're doing that so well. I wish we were recording that. So do I. I wish the whole thing was recorded. We'd just be fucking gangbusters with ratings. You know, I, I like the mother's performance. I think it's 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 under talked about. She's you know she's this nasty bitch, and she's sort of like this this slut who just out out sleeping with everyone. But she's clearly fucked up because she was part of this gang also that that killed Freddie. True, but we find that out later, which is yeah, that's pretty cool though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this movie, as as mentioned with the marionette kill has probably some of the standout kills that most people will remember from the series, even though we've all admitted that Tina's death in the first one is our our favorites. But I mean, we've got the marionette, which is a fantastic kill. We've got the TV. Welcome to oh. primetime, bitch. Okay. Uh, welcome to, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a line that if that showed up in part six, everybody would hate it. But it landed so well in this film, and it's such a great kill. The only issue is, at this point... You, everybody should be on board that that Freddy's getting them because there's no. What did she do? Take a running start and leap headfirst into the t- into the TV? That's like 15 that's impossible. Feet it's exactly. impossible. Even if it was fucking at face level, you couldn't yeah, put your head through it. A, 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 an old school TV like that. Believe me, I just carried one yesterday. They're fucking. <laughs> what did you drop? A hundred fucking thousand pounds. The I tried. <laughs> He's like, believe me, I fucking tried. <laughs> What's Lawrence Fishburne's character? I've seen the movie a thousand times. Max. Uh, Max. Max. <laughs> that that is, Max is the one that sees her, and th- it is a comical reveal. 
like yeah. Suter floating up there with her head in there. They could have easily had her on the ground with the TV on top of her. Maybe it would have been as comical, I don't know. But if there was blood pouring down there, you, we, we still saw what happened. And I think that would have been a more realistic revelation from a Max standpoint. Because you're right, then True. you would have gotten that run-up start reaction because it's such a bizarro way to find someone dead. But it is such a great, it is such a great kill and so fitting. And I love uh, the whole Dick Cavett scene. And I loved hearing about yeah, that. Fuck what you think. Yeah. I loved hearing about that he actually got to pick Zsa Zsa Gabor as his guest because he hated her so much. Amazing. What did that she was, think about it? That's that was awesome. She, oh, she's such a she's such a fucking crazy woman. And that's it. Like you have Freddie killing Zsa Zsa Gabor in this movie. <laughs> Saying, who gives Amazing. a fuck what you think? I mean, this is where comedy was coming out. Right. It, and it here's landed. what's funny. It landed. See, yeah. this is what's funny. His first lines in the movie were, your big break in TV. The first time he spoke was this fucking scene. Except for earlier when he went, you. When he was yeah. the snake fucking. Which, another brilliant thing that happened before. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk know, about that. The whole the whole snake Freddy. That was fucking uh, Amazing. That might be that might be one of the coolest things in in any of the films. <laughs> it's funny. Is... I hate when it pops up initially out of the carpet. It just looks a little phony. And I know they were worried about it looking like a penis in the in the film, I guess, but the way they shot it, you don't really get that vision of it so phallic. I agree. Yeah. Sorry sorry you're upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> sorry about <laughs> You know what I think is cool about the marionette, about the whole thing? Is the the Freddy? You never ever ever see it. I want to see that thing marketed. I want to see that clay Freddy. When it hops down, the way it looks when it cuts its fucking yeah. the ropes, then it hops down. It's that clay Freddy. Why isn't that a thing? How come NECA Toys doesn't sell the clay Freddy, or you see it on a T-shirt or a poster? It's not marketed at all. And I think it's fucking awesome. We should do that. It's coming now. Yeah, we're we get the licensing for it. Exclusive hands presents clay Freddy. I don't give a fuck. Drink a Timmy's. I don't give a fuck. Drink a Timmy's. (laughs) Drink a It's our merchandising segment. We can do it. We'll get a cease and desist letter from New Line Cinema and we'll stop selling it. But we'll still get it out there. It won't cost us anything. Somebody out there that's listening, give us a fucking Clay Freddy design. How's that? That we're going to steal from you and market it ourselves. <laughs> no, well, we're not, we're going to make fucking three cents a shirt, whatever, you know? <laughs> but yeah, Clay Freddy, I always wanted to talk about that because I think it's really cool. Is this you Andrew know? Dice Clay Freddy? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's in the cup, bitch? Come and get him, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was, I was waiting for one of you to say it. <laughs> that, was, that was great. We all have the other ones coming. I want to see, see fucking Dice's head on top of a TV, <laughs> like Freddie saying, "Welcome to prime time, bitch." <laughs> And, 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 you know, as we're covering these films, we keep referencing Never Sleep Again. For for anyone who is, obviously, uh, most people have seen the franchise, but if you haven't seen this documentary, it's a, you know, it's a four and a half document, four and a half hour documentary, and it's just, it is so much fun. It is so much fun. And just looking, seeing these effects that they built and, and, and how the, how, oh my God, it's it's incredible that, that, that people are able to do this. I'm, I'm absolutely amazed and blown away. Kevin Yeager's makeup effects on fucking Freddy are, are, are pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, st- stuff 
stuff that I normally take for granted until you see the work that they go on, go into, and you know the fact that Robert England has to sit in a chair for four or five hours every day. Well, this is iconic wow. Freddy here. Here at part four, no question. Those are the iconic Freddies. However, I still think I like in the shadow creepy Freddy from one and two more. Sure. Even though they're two different designs, I like those looks better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. But this, yeah. is, this is like, I, we were talking about Iconic Ash. This is Iconic Freddy. Mm-hmm. How about this? There's a boy jumping jumping rope in this movie. You know how it's always the girls? One, two, Freddy, come a few, it's girls. This is the first time you see a boy. And then the opening fucking dream of Kristen, when you see two girls doing the chant, there's a boy actually doing the fucking jump roping. Yeah, that was, that was Mark Patton. <laughs> they, they shrunk him down. Yeah. <laughs> you see he's, wearing, he's, he's wearing like the glove. <laughs> this is how disjointed this this talk is because I'm going right back to the beginning. So you're talking yeah. about you like you did, and they began to give Freddie an introduction. The little girl goes, "Freddie's home," and yeah. and you hear it, and then. And then all of a sudden, they pick her up, they start running, the music kicks in, which is great music. And yes. then you see the shadow of Freddy come out against the wall. And again, it's, it's such a buildup to it before you see him round the corner and come out. And it's, I love the way he rounds the oh. corner. He's going full mm. speed. And if anybody <laughs> remembers the old VHS of this, because I, I, I checked it out on my DVD and I... Feels like they fixed the sound, and I may have talked about this before. But when Kristen screams, when she's running and trying to get herself out of that sticky muck, and she she goes, it always like the scream like almost looked like it blew. It went, it blew out the sound design there, and it almost mod like it went kind of distorted. Always on the VHS version, and I've not noticed it now, so they must have fixed it. But if anybody remembers back in the day, I always let her scream, kind of. Uh, Sounded distorted, almost. Yeah, I don't remember that. It's a side note. It's been a while. But I like the fact that we get our main theme back. Yeah, and we get that main theme back, and and the soundtrack is somewhat different. It's it's Angelo, um, what's his name, who does soundtracks? Uh, Bad Lamenti, who does the David Lynch Lynch films and and does other different ones. He's another accomplished uh, guy that does. They get another solid guy doing it. They still don't go full on. It's still good. Here's something I don't buy in this movie. The, how the relationship would completely fall apart between um, Nancy and her father. Just oh. based upon the way they reacted in part one. How she was deaf. Because, you know, I, I, I have a daughter. And I see the way how overprotective he is of his daughter. And how he stays late on the case to work on. And, and they're separated. So he tries even harder. And he loves his little girl. And I don't think anything, and who gives a fuck? His F, his ex-wife dies, who he didn't seem to care very much for in the first movie anyway. Why would he, that turn him into fucking that? And why would he, you know what I mean? I could you know never what? see that happening. I, I liked it, and you just segued into what I was about to say next, which is, and John motherfucking Saxon comes back again. And that's what makes, <laughs> it, it's a great continuation of his character. Something yes, that is. this movie... Uh, this series actually does well a few times, uh, and specifically with him. And I love the fact that he's obviously something went horribly sour. Maybe the realization of the fact that he saw something fucking come back, but he's not willing to admit that anything did because he does say to Nancy, you've always had a little trouble realizing that Fred Krueger's dead, but he's also right. a security guard now. So right. shit's hit the fan and, and something his life has gone south. 
So he no so he he's become Marge. He's become a drunk sort of mess. Yeah, but why? His ex-wife died. He didn't even give a fuck about her. His daughter's because, fine. He's because fine. he realizes because that because so, he realizes his daughter was right the whole time. She was she was asking for help, and it's his doing. He's the one who led this lynch mob in the first place. He's the reason all these Elm Street children are dying. Yeah, but now she's fine. Be happy. Yeah, but he's not. <laughs> he's not. He's he's devastated. Yeah. And, 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 so and, and she still loved her mother. She still loved her mother. One of the last scenes in one with her and her mother, her putting her to bed, was almost very, very nicely done. Almost like, True. almost like forgiving her in a sense, like finally understanding what where the mother's coming from. And there's a and line what, there. Sorry, Brandon. Yeah. I, I, no, I'm done at that point. Go ahead. Well, are you, are you sure? Uh, I, I apologize, but the there, there is a line that they say when they're in the in the bar. Oh. Sweet Pea, why are you coming to see me? I thought you hated me. She's like, I never said that. It was you that, or whatever. And you she, know, you said that you're trying to forget me. Yeah. I thought you were trying to forget me. She's like, you're the one that, that's trying to forget because yeah, it's fucking. So I know. think it's just like that the security guard uniform. Like you, you, you're. We have to put the pieces together ultimately. Yeah, but... I know. I just don't buy it because I, I saw the way he he acted towards her in part one. It, it, it reminds me of what I do for my daughter, and I can't ever see anything. That would that would make that happen. That I that I'd be, you know, I wouldn't be talking to my daughter anymore. It's well, just it's that's just, you. So. I, I don't know. I, I yeah, I know. I've always Obviously. bought it. Actually, I've never had an issue with that. I'll tell you what. You know what I want to do since I since I watched this yesterday. I've never done it before. I want to get a shot, a shot glass, and a beer, and I want to fucking get. You know, you guys ever do that before? Have a shot and like sip on the shot and chase it with a beer. I think I want to do it one day. I think I've downed a shot and chased it with a beer, but it's not something I do often because I'm not big no, on shots. No, I don't drink much. But... <laughs> yeah, I'm not big no, on but... shots or beer. I'm not big on shots, but I mean to have a – he was sipping on it. He had a shot and he just like – he would take a sip of the shot and then he, then he would drink it. I'd rather have beer. a little bit of it. what uh, Taryn's having. <laughs> <laughs> the open source – Oh, I, I tell you, you know what? You know what? I think, um, you know, it, this is all hindsight, obviously, because it's such a great film. But maybe the first time they go under hypnosis and they discover their powers, maybe if they had, besides Joey wandering off and getting captured, maybe if Taryn and Will also went off and got captured, this way we maybe get to see more a showdown with them and Freddie, maybe more elaborate. Yeah, but why be captured? That's something I took issue with. I never thought of it until this time. Yeah, he fucking I, kills. Why would he hold Joey hostage? For he's no holding Joey's reason? hostage because he knows Kristen has the power to bring them in, and he needs all the Elm Street children. So he's going to use them as bait to draw them in. I had bait I had, thing again. Yeah, yeah. He I, I get had, them without doing that. He killed fucking what's his name? Just he killed Phil and fucking uh, Jennifer just fine without fucking having to bait anybody. He, he's Freddy Krueger. He can fucking get in their dreams and kill them. Yeah, why is he got to play a game? I I agree to an extent. But I again, I kind of just I've had no issue with it. it it's just not an issue. I, I just noticed this time thinking, why is that necessary? Yeah, I, I just wanted more in terms of Will and Taryn when when they finally have their showdown. I just thought it was a little rushed. I liked I liked all their all their dream powers. I think they all related very well. I just wish we had a little bit more time with them. In retrospect, yeah, it does seem rushed. But I remember seeing it the first time and. I don't know. The movie clicked along at a good good pace, and that was just something that was really cool. Now looking back at him saying, "I am the Wizard Master," it's a little bit cheesy. But I mean, whatever. It's it cheesy, good. but it's it's fitting for the time, and I, I liked him. But I'm I'm thinking more in lines of Taryn because they really, they, you really get a lot of uh, just images of her just looking like she's she's 
struggling really hard with her addiction. She right. has that run-in with that creepy fucking orderly mm-hmm. who's offering. So I, I kind of wanted maybe a, a grander exit for her. That's true. Well, her head was supposed to explode, I think. No, I know that, and you know what? I saw <laughs> You're right, it was. They show the effect. Yeah. They show the effect failing. They should have probably just put a hot dog on top. It would have. <laughs> <laughs> a parakeet. But, yeah, but I actually didn't mind the way it looked now because I like, kind of like how the, it was really creepy with the vein. You see the vein starting to really pop up. Yeah. So the head explosion wasn't completely necessary, but I, I just mean in terms of like I don't know, maybe I wanted a longer battle. You know what I want to know is all the kids had these superpowers. Why didn't they turn to Nancy and Doctor What's-His-Face and go, hey, what's your superpowers? <laughs> right. It's like, true. They're the kids, but they're in the dream, too. Why could he be like, I'm like a well-respected doctor? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck Dr. fucking Chenner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, how about this one? They're playing that game, right? And he makes Terran say, the Lord of Elric, God of the Elves, or whatever the fuck. I Demon banish you. Yeah. Demon be gone. Okay. Guess who he, Who does fucking... Who does Will always play that game with? Or so it seems. Joey, the guy that can't speak. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe he just... Uh, maybe Joey's he just signs it. Joey's, yeah. Joey's his roommate. That's the he reason why he's playing he even says, no, 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 you got to say it. Well, what the what does he tell the joke? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can't play. That's uh, why he does play with him, because he beats him every night. Okay, now I got he, it. Yeah, good joke. <laughs> it's his roommate, and clearly, like, Will doesn't move around a lot. So uh-huh. it, it kind of works out. They're right there together with each other. That's I true. Like... Their, their handicaps help each other out. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Speak oh, no good. evil, walk no evil. Oh god, fuck. Oh fuck. And there goes our handicap audience. We haven't even mentioned Kincaid, and Kincaid has some great, great lines in this as well. He mutters a lot of them. (laughs) He mutters? I find like sometimes he's hard to understand in certain scenes. Have a nice stroll, asshole. I love that. (laughs) I say that to this day all the fucking time. Have a nice stroll, asshole. I say it to my wife. She says it to me. Fucking, I always say it. <laughs> Yet they shut the door when they went to bed, and then he just walks right on out of there. <laughs> I know. They make a big deal about it. I know. <laughs> yeah, he does. Kincaid is great, though. The fuck you will. He says that he goes, fuck you will. You sit down. <laughs> I love it. Kincaid's hey, great. Girl, well, motherfucker. <laughs> I do like how they, they expand on the mythos as well. Like we, I don't think we even got to here. We talked a little bit about Amanda Kruger, but we get the nun. And then we find out that she's Amanda Kruger at the end. And she tells the backstory of, of Freddy. Some people hate this, but I like the bastard oh, son of a hundred maniacs. And, and awesome. Whatnot. I love that shit. And then... Who, who, who hates that? I never... What? Well, because wow. I think it says it further... I guess it's humanizing him, but it's not really because it's such a brutal story that that it's I think... so fitting it's perfect that yeah. he was born of pure evil yeah uh, of just yeah this hor- horrendous horrendous act and raped for days locked but... in the asylum on that mythos and then on top of it the where he was buried or not buried where he was stored and how they have to now bury him so going into the car junkyard brilliant brilliant oh. idea I love how they go in the heart of it. They take it out. I love how the cars sort of come to life as if 
you know, from beyond the grave, he's fighting back. And then the nod to uh, Harryhausen and then the uh, the skeleton. Awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's not um, it's not as smooth as it could have been, but it works with the rear projection. The, the main issue with that that's not um, smooth is when the skeleton picks up yeah. uh, Nancy's father. He picks him right up by the balls. Watch where the hand goes. It grabs no, right his... It just grabs his balls and lifts him right up in the air. Collar and balls, but it, and then throws him I love when he I love when he yeah. twists around and hits him with a shovel. Yeah, for no reason. He does a little fucking twister Rooney. Yeah, great. <laughs> twister Rooney. <laughs> and then when he's shoveling the fucking dirt on him. I love that the way the skeleton looks. Oh, yeah, I know I love skeletons. And he's fucking walking. He's he's going back and forth with with his with his fingers with his claws. Oh, I love it. I always wondered why he didn't just either completely bury him or kill the doctor i know he gets he's basically torn between the the dream warriors and the junkyard so that, that's it. It. that is it but i get the impression he was drawn away from the dream warriors to go to the junkyard to defend him to defend his bones which he does but why doesn't he kill him so this way then he could just go back to dream warriors and not worry about the doctor finishing the uh i think he i think he might think he did do that and then the doctor of course was just knocked out and he wakes up because he's got the blood coming down yeah but he put he throws the dirt on him but leaving his face completely uncovered just a little a little a little dirt on the upper lip true okay how about those mini four steers? points off the top <laughs> four out of ten <laughs> I was thinking of uh, Phantasm because we, you know, we watched it not too long ago, all of them. And that part when they fucking when they were doing the hypnosis with the you know those ball things yeah. that go back and forth and and all those those little mini spheres, they totally remind me of fucking Tall Man's balls. <laughs> <laughs> tall Man's balls. <laughs> You're making my mouth water. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this morning I had to finish part three just to finish you know the last half hour. So I'm getting ready, and I go well. I go, Francesca, I said, you're in luck. I said, you're about to watch the third act of this of this movie. This is one of the best acts of any horror movie ever. And you know what? I stand by it. At about the hour mark, that's when you see the conversation between... In, in half an hour, this is what happens. You see the conversation between Amanda Kruger and, and, and uh, Neil, and you find out the story there. Then you get them going to see... Um, John Saxon, and then that, and then you get the whole fucking Dream Warrior showdown. All this shit happens in like a 30 to 33 minute fucking period, and it's amazing. It's like it's one of the best acts in horror. Just that I, you know what? I I agree. I I generally yeah. don't think about things like that, but you know, it really is. And I love the 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 landscape of that final act. It's fantastic, and I even love that little that little trick they throw in there where uh, over. Amazing. No, no, even before that, where Kristen wakes back up at the beginning of the film, and she thinks oh, that she she thinks that she dreamt the, the whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, like, wait, what? Like the first time you've seen that, you're like, what? It was all a fucking dream. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, it's a little early, but then they, you know, I said, where's the fucking bourbon? Yeah, <laughs> that is great. <laughs> I love it. You can, I love that. You could see the whole series oh, yeah. evolve that. from that yeah. one second of Freddie being in a fucking tuxedo. <laughs> That's <laughs> where nice, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But it's there's perfect, where the man. series goes from that moment on. Because him in a tuxedo means him in a fucking chef's outfit, means super fucking Freddy, means everything mm. else that comes after because they have to one-up it. Means That's Freddy all I'm saying. Star, However, it still works here. That's fine. This is Evil Dead 2. What what comes on next is Army of Darkness. It's the same type of fucking thing. It, on your chin. <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> but there's a, there's a lot to love here. 
It's a great oh. movie. I've played around with it in one time. I think it did. I did say it was a little higher than the original. However, I've stuck to the same rating that I gave this when we did the 50 slashers, to be honest. I don't know how if you guys. I've, I've come up a half a point, actually. From what I think I gave it the first time, because I, I find no issues. I, I, I like the characters more and more that I watch, and I, I like the way it plays out. I really like the fact that, that Joey's voice is the one that saves him. I know it seems kind of cheesy, but it's it's fitting. It's fitting, you know, when they're being sucked into the mirrors. And no, it works. It, yeah, it, it works really well. And I like the fact that a bunch of characters survived and you referenced Dave earlier the old uh, father crossing over. That was the the oh. the oh, heartbreaking because like you yeah. think like he's gonna they're gonna have this nice moment and right and then not only you know then it's a trick and then of course he kills Nancy and I mean that's heartbreaking. Amazing. Yeah, it it's is. A, it, oh my it's god, <laughs> I forgot. Cut two things I gotta mention now. First, I did mention I made the joke about uh, Dice saying come and get him, bitch. But that whole thing where. It's carved into Joey's stum- uh, chest and stomach. is great. Oh, fuck yeah. Great. But you know that that's going to be there for life now. And on a <laughs> note that I forgot, and I'm so sorry to jump back to part two, but I got to do it for a split second, is even after all said and done and love conquers all, is it, isn't Jesse going to be probably investigated for possibly two murders at the very least? Not according to Dave, because it was all a dream. <laughs> that's it. But that, that's a side note. Sorry, guys. I just remembered that as I'm going back here, because these movies, that's the great thing about them. They live in the moment. And I, I love when Patricia Arquette says, I'm going to dream you into a beautiful dream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> After yeah, Nancy. yeah. And when Nancy gets killed, it, it, it's it's emotional. I remember I emotional. being emotional when I was younger. Yeah, dude. And that got me good, because no question... I, I don't think back then people were thinking it was going to turn into Freddy when you saw her father come down. Because he was in his old cop outfit. He looked fucking great. He, you know what I just... He floated down perfect. in like angelic colors. Like, yes, yeah. man. Yeah. Freddy and, and it was a very oh, serious... Die. Yeah, that, exactly. He doesn't oh. crack wise. He just says, die. Like, oh. oh, and it's just heartbreaking. And... At that so point, she like you you realize that she's been in two of them, and she was a kick-ass final girl in both. And again, that's why uh, you know the Nightmare trilogy of with with Heather, Landicamp in them are like they all stand out to me. Yeah, I feel you. And I just want to mention the reveal of uh, you know his souls, the souls of my yes. children. Good call. Good call. Fucking Being introduced. Awesome. Yeah. So it was such a cool thing on Halloween the following year after this came out. My friend, you know how when you're kids and you have Halloween costumes, you try not to show them to your friend, especially if they're really cool, until you debut them on Halloween night? Debut. You guys are- debut. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's got a curtain. And here's David. <laughs> well, you know, if you get a kick-ass costume, you don't want to spoil a surprise. You want to show your friends Halloween. Hey, look at my costume. Well, my buddy had this fucking costume that year. It was awesome. It was the fucking Freddy Krueger but the hat and the, but check it out. Instead of being regular Freddy, his face was the fucking soul of all over it. I'll never forget it. I, I'll never forget going to his house and going. He came out wearing that thing. I was he just won. fucking. <laughs> yeah, I was floored. I this, was floored. This year, I plan on going as Rick the Meeple. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking meatballs, right? We're, we're about to get to him. After this, which is an amazing fucking way to kill a villain. Take his fucking... This goes back to old school horror. 
fucking yeah. take their fucking remains and bury them, and then just for good measure, throw fucking holy water on them because a mother came back from the, the dead who just so happened to be a nun to say to all of this, and this ends evil. And this really... He should have taken the bones to the cemetery and buried them there. The cemetery? What, like have a, a tombstone? Yeah. No, bury him with his mother so his mother can watch over him. But at I... least... At least he consecrated the ground, and I wonder if he ever went back to get his license. <laughs> I love, I love that. And, and I know people, Amazing. I've heard people take some issue with it, but I do love the old-fashionedness of it. And, and it, it, it's good versus evil. Boom. And yeah. when he splashes it on it, the lighting effects are, are really well done. And then the appearing of the cross, beautiful. Yep. I've stuck it a 9.5 out of 10. All right, I'm still 10 out of 10. I was originally eight and a half, I think, out of ten, but but I've I've come up a lot. I'm I'm gonna jump all the way up to nine point two five. Nice, all right, that's <laughs> cool. Well, it was already a Hall of Famer, and it's it, it stays there firmly entrenched. Nice. I have a feeling I'm only gonna go up more the more I watch it. A nice. fun, fun film. Definitely. Film, film. No, you have that film is with two syllables. Film. <laughs> fun, fun film. Yeah. We got one more to get through. All right, you want to jump right into it? Let's jump right in. Yeah, let's jump. I don't believe in you. I believe in you. <laughs> no pain, no gain. Yeah, let's jump. All right, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream jump, Master. Jump the shark. Oh, oh stop it. I'm going to be cool this time. Yeah, you're going to be cool. Directed by Rennie Harlan, written by nobody because it was not written. They started filming this with no script. Freddy Krueger returns once again to terrorize the dreams of the remaining dream warriors, as well as those of a young woman who may be able to defeat him for good. Are you sure? I'm positive this one had the script. It was part five. That started with no script. No, I mean, this one had a script. This one was written by um, Brian Helgeland and William Kotzwinkle. Yeah, one oh, of them no, was... No, 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 I'm sorry, yeah. They, they, they had a bunch of people, but I know Rennie Harlan had to, add a bunch of, had to add a bunch of stuff to it. I think it was a 12-year-old and an 11-year-old that wrote this script. I know, Dave, Dave we I know you have problems with this. We know you do. Dude. Going into it this time, I said, I said, I want to go. I want to be in the new house. I want to be in good spirits and everything else. And I, I, I'll tell you what, every note that I took this time, because I reviewed this for the Skeleton Crew a couple years ago, and I also reviewed it very early in my podcasting days as, as a guest on Cinema Beef. And on those two shows, I lambasted it, and everything was a question. <laughs> this time, going into it, I tried not to do that. And I, I wanted to go in with a clear head and give it a fair chance and, and pull the most out of it I could. So this is not going to be as scathing a review as I've given before. So I could say that. Well, I mean, what, what's my rating going to be? We'll get to it at the end. But I'll say this. I'll this is everything about part three. Okay? I'll say I, I've used this analogy before, but I have to say this at the start. Part three, they, they took the ball and ran. They did what they were supposed to do. Part four, they ran the ball into the ground. That's the difference. Everything that was great about part three that was like yeah, like a three to a five or something is amped to fucking 11 in this film. It's like they had a good idea. The use of bitch. He used the word bitch once in fucking part three. They uses it three times here. 
The, uh, the woman says underlay one fucking time to her daughter. Get in the bed, underlay. And they make it a fucking catchphrase in this movie. Underlay, underlay, underlay. Fucking it was like one, giggling it was one girls. Yeah, you're exaggerating that too. Yeah. You know what it is? You know no, what I'm, not, this, I'm not exaggerating. This, be, this became the MTV version of, of Freddy. But it's but that's still not my point. It's Amp 211. Everything good about the girl giggles one time in fucking. Uh, and then every time you see a girl on a tricycle in this movie, she goes. She does that fucking giggle. They everything they did is Amp 211. They they could they did not control themselves. They took everything it. about fucking Freddy that was good and cranked it to fucking 11. That's the problem with this film. I hear you. However, I think they still did justice with this one, and then it starts falling off. But it's the kind of the beginning of the end, and the problem with it is, is because with this one, he was super icon. At this point, he was everywhere. This movie blew box office records away, and this became, and part of it, Brandon already part. said, uh, part three let it up, but then you had, like, it's the MTV version. You had a, yeah. a huge soundtrack to this movie. Exactly. True. True. And I would say that this movie has problems, but it shouldn't be shit on as much as it does. It is because it is a lot of fun. The biggest problem is the fact that they bring the Dream Warriors back only to kill them off in the first 30 minutes of the movie. And they did that because they're trying to build on the Dream Master mythology and open it up to be able to have Freddy kill more victims and be able to expand expand the horizon, so to speak. But it still works. But it he's does. in full crazy. spotlight, and he's in full cracking-wise mode in this. You are absolutely correct. It is all cranked up to 11, but it still, for the most part, works. I'm not saying there's not shit-to-bed moments. I'll tell you what. The first half hour, my good attitude stayed with me that I had going into it. I was fine. And is, is it, the longer it went on, the longer it made zero. The second half of this movie, everybody is doing something in a dream, and we don't see one person lay down and go to sleep. You have no idea when someone is supposed to be a dream and, and not supposed to be in a dream. There's no... The first half of the movie makes sense, actually. People lay down, they close their eyes. Joey, Kincaid... Yes, it's ridiculous that they all happen to be asleep at the same time when fucking Kristen pulls Joey and Kincaid in her first dream. You have to fucking look the other way a little bit. I can do that as a viewer in a film. I can do that. But by the end of the, the second half of this film, it makes zero sense at all. And I really try this time, but you do not, there's no, they do not tell you at all when someone is asleep and awake. They're just jumping around, doing all this shit. They have all these magical powers for no reason, no, and they're not even asleep. I'm gonna, I, yeah, I completely disagree. I think it's the opposite. I think at the, at the beginning it doesn't make off. sense, and then it it does because at the beginning, obviously, Kristen's power is she can bring them into the dreams. So of course, if they're all asleep, she can pull in in Kincaid yes. and Joey. She can if pull them in. Each. No, she could even pull them in if awake. In part three, no, 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 she no. pulls Nancy in when Nancy stands up. Nancy sits back down and falls into the chair. So she can bring them in when they're awake. And I love the fact that they set it up where they, they prove to her that Kruger is, in fact, dead. The pipes are cold. Yeah, feel the, the boiler. Yeah, the boiler's not great. on. That's awesome. I agree. Where this film completely doesn't make sense is Kincaid's dream, where obviously she pulled the dog into the dream the one time and it, and it bit her, where Kincaid then falls asleep, brings his dog in, and his dog desecrates the, the burial ground and brings Freddy back to life because the, the consecrated ground was in reality, not in the dream. So it should have been it should have been some Rottweiler at the junkyard pissing 
that that revealed the uh, freed Freddy. Not that's what you're nitpicking. Yes, not 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 it's, why it's, a dog would pee fire and resurrect Freddy Krueger. Well, it's it's evil. Fucking... It's pure evil. The ground. It's pure evil where Freddy is. So I don't mind that if that they went. With, it's it's stupid that they went with a dog peeing. Yeah, but if they but, do it, oh. at least do it in the real world, not in the dream world, because that he's not buried in the dream world. He's buried in the real world. And then as far <laughs> as everything that happens later on in the film, it's always Alice falling asleep. They never once saw show her lay down and go to sleep. She does. She she doesn't. She's a daydreamer. That's the whole point. Daydream is a figure of speech that does not exist. If you say someone's daydreaming, they do not go into REM. They do not take a nap. That's me looking out the window when I'm supposed to be at work. But they are using that as a story element in this. Exactly. And that's why it's fucking stupid. Why are you going to accept it? It's a figure of speech. She zones out, falls asleep, and uses her power that Kristen gave to her. But she doesn't fall asleep. But she does not fall asleep. Just because someone's daydreaming, I, I can look at my daughter and I could be talking to her and she's not paying attention. She's looking out the window at a fucking bird outside. Like, what are you doing? Daydreaming? That does not mean that she is going into any fucking type of real sleep at all and that she and therefore she can dream. That's fucking stupid. It's like an 11-year-old wrote it. Daydreaming is not dreaming. It's a figure of speech. If an 11-year-old wrote that, then a 4-year-old wrote part 2 because this one makes at least twice as much sense as part 2. Uh, how? How is daydreaming count to you as dreaming? I mean, zero. Yeah, at least it's some sort of dreaming and not just Freddy popping out of the bushes at a pool party. And, and it's not baby dreaming. All, I mean, look. Uh, look you have to suspend your disbelief at this point. They are trying to expand on this. If they, they, they're trying to do something different, otherwise they could have just had the dream warriors continue to fight off Freddy. I will admit, I said this movie has problems. Like the pissing on the grave is, is silly. Oh, Freddy's rec- resurrection is fantastic. Him yeah, coming great. back. That's great. And, cool. and, and everything coming back and the shadow, the long shadow. Visually, this movie's stunning. And I'd say it has a few great kills. A couple, a, a lame one as well, but a few great kills. There, there are great areas here. I think Patricia Arquette not returning as Kristen hurts the film a little bit, but by no means does it sink it. And Tuesday, no. night, Tuesday night does a, a, you know, she's, she's not Patricia Arquette, but she did a fine job. She did a fine job. It, it did, not, did not hurt the film. Yeah, and I'm fine I, I with the daydreaming it, thing. I, and it, you know, I know, I know, I know. Daydreaming's a figure of speech, but but yeah, while they, while they're implying that you know she's a day, a daydreamer, she's always off in the clouds. She is genuinely genuinely falling asleep at specific periods of time because she's starting to be haunted by these dreams because Kristen accidentally brought her in at the last moment before she got killed because her mother killed her because she drugged her, but. Yeah, but she does fall asleep in class. I do uh, b- believe she is sleeping, and I buy that she's sleeping, not just sitting there thinking about things. I get that. So you're talking about the scene. What's her name? The girl with asthma falls yes. asleep in class. So, no, okay. the girl with asthma didn't fall asleep. Alice so, fell asleep okay. and dragged Sheila into the dream with her because she didn't know how to use Kristen's power. The same way Kristen kind of didn't know how to use it and brought Alice in, in the first place. And I thought that so, was a little sloppily done. I did think that was a little sloppily done, but they needed to do something to to have that transition from from Kristen to Alice. And look, oh, sorry, t- no, no, I, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, I, my biggest issue, even even having nothing to do with this film, is that they didn't con- continue with the Hypnosil storyline. They should have somehow brought that back. You know, it, it somehow continued with that. So they kind of ignored things, but. They tried to do something new here, and I think while it doesn't all work, it is for me far more entertaining than than than, than part two was. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a fun movie. And here yeah. here's here's the quick uh, daydreaming is a short term detachment from one's immediate surroundings during which a person's contact with reality is blurred and partially substituted by visionary fantasy, especially one of happy, pleasant thoughts, hopes, or ambitions imagined as coming to pass and experienced while awake. So. That was a definition okay. from Wikipedia, anyway. And I oh. like the fact that every time someone dies, she absorbs their their power. Oh, I, like the, I hate it. This makes no. That's what I say. It's like a fucking He-Man cartoon. It's like a fucking eleven-year-old. Uh, but that's the dream. That's the Dream Master part of it. That's. I liked it. Yeah. It's horrible. It's fucking a kids show now. It goes from a horror movie to a fucking uh, a kids show. It's fucking well, okay. It was the most audience friendly. It was it, this one was rated AA adult accompaniment year. If you're under 14, you had to go with a parent. But if you're over 14, you can go. Whereas everything else, all the other ones were rated R up until this point. So in that regard, it was a little bit more accessible, which I think helped mainstream Freddy a bit more so before he hit TV with Freddy's Nightmares. Yeah, there's silliness to it, but I don't think it kills the movie. I I think you could definitely point your finger to a few of the next ones coming up that uh or the next two that are coming up ah, definitely that, those yeah, ones one, are those that shit the bed well we'll, we'll get to them when we get to them and then I'll, I'll do the same thing with them that i'm doing to this I'll, I'll watch the movie i'll take my notes and i'll tell you what i think but i mean just the fact that the whole thing with kristen and alice kristen somehow sucks alice into a dream or but yeah she sucks alice in now and then Freddie fucking kills her, and on the way out, she doesn't die. She's you need my power. Yeah, she I said somehow it's sloppily done. This it's, is a goddamn rainbow bright fucking cartoon. What am I want? You need my power. This one is forced. Dream. It's a dream world. That's what she can. You can do that in the dream. And how about this? Why would she give her her power if she doesn't give her the power? Guess what? Alice dies, and it's the end of it. Because she gave. No, 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 no. Alice would die. Listen to me. Kristen was gonna die anyway. So. Kristen, by giving Alice her power, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this with a straight face, but Kristen, by giving, you know, we're, we're, by giving Alice her power, is now gonna let her suck in all her friends into the dream, so now Freddy can get them. So if anything, it's a fucking deterrent. That power does nothing. What? What is she gonna do? Fuck! Is she gonna do gymnastics because she gave her some power? Get the fuck out of here. That's I. I she accidentally it. brought Alice in, so Alice is, is in trouble so now. Freddy's gonna. Freddy senses fresh meat. He's gonna want to hunt Alice. So right? she's not. She feels guilty. So she's gonna give her her power so that she is able to use her friends to help her fight. Unfortunately, Alice yeah. doesn't really learn how to use the power correctly and keeps bringing people in and killing all her friends and her brother. Yeah. That's no different than one that one Kristen did. Kristen knows it, it's not really a good power to be able to pull people into your that's, dream that's with exactly, fighting someone that's, that's going to exactly kill you. That's exactly the point. She's she's still a kid. I mean, it's a continue. It's pretty much a continuation. She's still. It she, didn't work out for the Dream Warriors, and it's not going to work out for the Dream Master crew. Yeah. So just she let was going to get that power. She was going to get know? that power anyway. That was exposition to let the audience know. The stupidness going on. It, it's silly. It's sloppily it written silly. there like to continue the story. But they had it. They were trying to do something that they continue the story. And I was okay with it. It's just that scene is a little forced. It it's is a terrible. little forced because there's exposition. 
said so in dialogue, good. you'll need my power. I agree. Come on. I agree. Right. Come but, on. And Joey and King K just happened to go to the same fucking school as Kristen. They never mentioned each other. They never even met each other. In part three, when they met at Western Hills, they had no clue who the fuck they were. All of a sudden, they all they all go to the same fucking the same school together. And the I, same I, think the I think that's something that happened after they left. Yeah. They all decided they to go friends. to the same school. They're friends. Now they're going to stick Well, they're together. from the same area anyway because Western Hills, because they're the last of the Elm Street children. Yeah. So it makes sense. But now they're all just going to happen to go to the same school. And all the kids that she's friends with now somehow never knew them. And, and it's like Kristen never had a past. They make it look like fucking she's been with this kid for years and all this. Okay, if that was fucking true, how come you don't hear about them in part three? And why would you be with this fucking basket case girl? So she's going to get out and start talking about Freddy and dreams and, and you're going to hook up and have these friends that look like they've been friends for fucking years. I don't think any of them know about this. I think, you know, I, I don't know how long a passage of time we're talking about. Maybe a couple months, six months, maybe. I don't I know. know. They act like they, oh, you, you made her so happy then. They made it look like they've been a couple for fucking uh, a couple years. You know, in high school, you know, uh, you know, a two month relationship is like uh, 10 years. So. This I get true. it. But believe me, true. I have I have a list of cons written down. I have nine things written down that were absolutely laughable about this film, from the 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 slices of Freddy's claws in the locker to Freddy yeah. as a Awful. nurse. Freddie Freddy as a nurse. The sunglasses. The greeting card from hell. Learning with learning is fun with Freddy. Rick in his full gi. That whole his whole kill scene. They should have. I know they oh. couldn't pull it off in the elevator, and they yeah. did it quick and and it's sloppy. You know, Sayonara, Rick Sun. Okay, let me his talk funeral, about his funeral is worse. Oh, his funeral is the last one I have on here. That's the worst scene in Rick's the movie. Dream? What about Rick's dream? He doesn't even do. Do they show Rick fall asleep? How does that even happen in this film? Tell Alice me falls asleep, pulls him in. Where Alice do you see don't... Alice falling asleep at any point? Where, where is it alluded to that she even daydreams? She's or falling asleep because she opens the bathroom door and sees Rick in there and sees that she pulled him in. So I don't know where she is. She probably so she goes to take a fucking dump. She no. opens a fucking door, and, and and that means she's dreaming all of a sudden. No, and, she and fell asleep somewhere that. else. She probably fell asleep in class, and and and. So drink. you're just going by a probably. They don't show us anything, and you're just filling in these fucking blanks. It, it, make, it makes more. It makes more sense to me than than some of the others. I'm really having no issue with this. Alice is is sleep deprived also. This is what happens to the kids once Freddy is after them. So the fact that she could fall asleep and she's not harnessing this power correctly she's pulling them in but yeah the rick funeral scene is also on there hello hello baby it, it, it's it adds <laughs> absolutely nothing to the movie it seems tacked on and it could easily have been eliminated altogether <laughs> and i've always liked it <laughs> that's funny it is funny. It is funny. I laughed at it. Said, Hello, baby. All right, bye, guys. I gotta go. <laughs> Although something else about this film, the fakest tears I've ever seen in a movie. That when they nobody's crying. For, somebody came and fucking put water on their face for for Alice when she's crying at that fucking thing. And earlier when Kristen finds out that fucking Joey and Kincaid are dead. And I know it sounds like I'm nitpicking, and I'm not. I just watch it today. I'm like, what the? F I never complain about fake tears in a movie, but in this movie, it was blatantly obvious. I'm like, what the? F There's so many things wrong. I, I, I wish I didn't feel that way, but again, look at this. You're trying to tell me that that whole thing at the end. Remember when Freddie says, "Bring me more," and he tells that to fucking Alice, yeah. and then all of a sudden, okay, now all of a sudden, we see this girl working out. We see fucking what's her name, Benchy. Okay, Debbie's bench pressing, okay? So that's one person. Now, 
Freddie's saying, bring me more to Alice. So that means she must have something going on with Dream. And then you get Dan, who you never see fall asleep. So you're trying to tell me that all three of these people are asleep at once for no reason? This girl's bench pressing and she falls asleep? A fucking teenage girl is, is, is bench pressing and she's going to fucking fall asleep and dream Freddy. Get the fuck no, out of here. Alice was asleep. Alice was was asleep. and she How are you buying this? This never happened in part three with Christian. I, I, it's funny. I it's, just it's watched stupid. this as well and I don't have these these problems. Yeah. I have never bothered me. I've just I've watched the movie. It's entertaining. I actually like the Loop Nightmare. I loved it when I saw it in the theater, and I think it, it plays out great. And that's when he's killing weightlifting girl as well as because she's asleep, so, and then she yeah, says, the "We're both the asleep." We're yeah, the father. The father makes her stay home because she was going to go out. The father makes her stay home. She was going to go meet Dan at the uh, at the diner, but the father it's makes fine. her stay she home. Asleep. I get that, but why? Why would the girl lifting weights fall asleep? It's stupid. And you're gonna tell me that she's not asleep? So now, now in Nightmare on Elm Street Four, people don't even have to go to fucking sleep for Freddy to terrorize them. That's never been happened before. It makes no sense. They don't They're have to go to sleep. They don't they have, have to go to sleep Michael. because Alice pulled her in the same way Kristen pulled Nancy in in Part Three. It's yeah, but Kristen pulled fucking one person in one time. In I know. I, I know. Play it, it off like she puts her hand over her 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 head and she's gonna lay back and go to sleep. In these movies. You never know who the fuck is asleep. And how about at the end when she just she puts on everybody's clothes and this and that, I and love then that jumps part. into a mirror? Are you kidding me? I, like that. I, I, like I love that. that. I love that whole. That's her arc. That's her uh, saying she didn't want to see her reflection, and now she's taken a piece of everybody. She's become the ultimate dream uh, warrior, the dream master, and now she's seen her reflection as she takes the French pictures down. They've got that guitar music kicking in. She's. Ba- Dude, it's a whole get ready sequence. Out of the commando and everything else. Great. I get that. Yeah, okay. So then she goes, oh. get away from him, Kruger, and dies through the fucking mirror. There are sloppy moments. I'm, I didn't say there weren't. But no this sense. movie this movie gets really shit on, and it's an entertaining watch. From yeah. start to finish, it's entertaining. And they at least have a showdown at the end. And if it, at this point, for the first four movies, probably have the biggest climax of, of all of them. Let's say it makes to you, it doesn't have to make sense to you, Dave. I'm saying, but it's in the church with an actual fight scene and like a showdown, karate. fucking a combina- a karate chick. combination of things. Kristen was a karate chick, so she absorbed that. I like that. I, I, oh, the, I the, the dream, that. the dream master rhyme was a little silly. Evil sees itself and dies, but it, it created a, a cool final kill to show Freddy the evil he is, and and, and for him to like kind of just fall and, apart and, and then the souls rip them apart yeah, and that's great. fantastic yeah but dave i i would say you know for me i and i don't know the same way i was kind of having issues with trying to make sense of part two for this one when anyone was dying it was just a case for me it was just a case of alice somewhere sleeping and accidentally using this power to pull her friends in unintentionally show it to us i know i, I, know, I, I know yes I know, I know. I, come on, some somewhere sleeping. It, even if you're going to use the lame fucking daydream thing, how about show it to us? So, so, uh, so a series that we've seen for fucking three movies where people go to sleep and fucking the boogeyman comes makes a little sense, especially coming off the epicness of three. I just... If you watch three and then four, which we all did, but well, that, that's, I, that's I can't. The problem. That's the problem. We're, we're, we're comparing apples and oranges. Part one and part three are such phenomenal films. And this film, like, even even though I, I'll probably rate it a little higher than, than maybe even Christian, by no means compares to those two. But I find it extremely entertaining. And I especially 
loved the whole dream loop. It, it felt very in the mouth of madness. You yeah. know, that whole that whole dream loop, the movie theater oh, scene. Beautiful. Where she sucked in, be, amazing. And I absolutely loved the very ending at the Wishing Fountain. I thought that seeing Freddy's reflection, that was it's just, cool. that was really awesome. It really kind of creepy, just knowing that, that the story's going to continue. It's not over. What's going to come? Not necessarily the best stuff, but I, I just love the way you see part of his reflection and it just it shimmers in the water and disappears. I like that too. I, I like the I like the set piece in the church and at the end that's cool. I don't like at all that we're supposed to believe that uh, Freddie seeing his reflection is supposed to do a better job than holy water and fucking burying his bones. But whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know that's that. Like I said, that's that's a little uh, issue I have too. And that whole the whole dream with with Jason the dog pissing. I mean, I can't oh, I can't even I can't even make terrible. sense. It's a mess because my daughter thinks it's the most ridiculous thing. It's it is ridiculous yeah, on, because man. it's because it, it it doesn't even make sense because it doesn't even happen outside of the dream world. So it doesn't Not to mention, I know. <laughs> I what about it. the one-liners? I haven't even talked about how the comedy went fucking t- cranked to 11 and everything he said was fucking way over the top and the jump the shark with when he's literally a fucking shark fin. Come <laughs> on, man. What is this? This was fucking, this is my my beloved series and fucking you turned him into a fucking uh, a shark that fucking blows up sandcastles and puts sunglasses on. I didn't I didn't. Oh. You know what? I had no the, problem with any of that. How could you not? I, I didn't find because, that scene. Go ahead, Christian. You finished. Not in a no, I was just going to say, it was a dream. And she was like, dream someplace nice. And she thought she exactly. brought herself to this tropical yeah. island. And then they and then it had the shark fit. I thought it was great. And then yeah. I like I like some of the lines in here. Not all of them. But I like, how's this for a wet dream? I do fucking lost my mind when I heard that. It's perfect. Time. I agree. <laughs> that's, that's, an, that's a great kill. Joey's kill is a great kill. And yeah, I'm fine with that. I am. You should have buried me. I'm not dead. His lips are not moving or whatever. I don't know yeah, if that's a yeah, it's yeah. thought process or what, or just bad ADR. But there, there are things like, like Brandon said earlier, sloppy. The them walking by the lockers and there's that looks like it's right out of a Freddy's Nightmares TV show. It's terrible. And yes, it's, yes. There, I my my rating will will say like overall, I find this movie highly entertaining to watch and enjoyable. I like it. But there's some sloppy moments. And lastly, the last note I have is, as I've mentioned numerous times before in the show, this movie introduced me to the band Dramarama and their song Anything Anything. Mm-hmm. And nice. I've been a fan ever since. So That's a great uh, song. It really yeah. is. Every time that came uh, on in the movie, I got pumped up. I wanted to start fighting. So <laughs> ultimately, I'm not really high on the movie, but I'm not low. It, it's an enjoyable movie. It, it, it has problems, but it's entertaining. And, and I it's love a the fun, cockroach scene. Oh, yeah, oh, you can great. check in. Another you can't great check set. In. Another great set piece. I, I really like that kill. There are some good things. There are, but the thing is, because it makes no sense at all, it's just too frustrating for me to to enjoy. Because I'm like, well, what the fuck? Nobody's sleeping. This isn't my the, series. Yeah, None the, of this the, makes the, any sense here. See, and, 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 and you're right. The biggest issues with this film happen to be the resurrection of Freddy and and the dreaming portions the, the, and over the top comedy so yeah yeah there. they just yeah, so, doesn't make so, sense but but two of the things that are really pivotal in terms of the whole story but you know the characters are likable and and some of the kills are really creative and you know i i loved alice i thought she was great yeah i just don't like what happened with her character she's just people are being pulled in we're not even being told they're being pulled in i, I just i don't know who's asleep who's awake 
It doesn't. It doesn't work for me. See, though. and that's that's how I felt with part two. But for for some reason with this one, I just it it seemed to just because they mentioned that she's a daydreamer, and and it just kind of says you know kind of said to me okay she she kind of she's kind of falling asleep here in class and just zonking out, you know especially after Kristen dies and she gets the power because that's really when yeah, it starts. The power about smoking too. How about that? How about fucking this girl is sitting in a fucking bathroom and she pulls out a cigarette and is about to light it and says I don't smoke. Gee, don't you think you would have thought that when you walked into a store and bought fucking cigarettes? Wouldn't it have occurred to you then? You're going to go through all those motions and then later on it's going to bother you? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> this is like poor comedy. It's fucking so bad. I've made jokes about that. I know. I've made jokes about that sequence as well. Again, I've referenced TGIF 13, my other show, a few times already tonight. But I said, <laughs> what if Rick was a chronic masturbator? Does she, does she inherit that? <laughs> <laughs> she takes Chris and smoking and Rick's masturbated. That would have made for a better climax. <laughs> we got ourselves a squirter. <laughs> I don't smoke, but holy shit. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, fuck. And, and, and this is so poor. The editing is bad. The fucking shit. Like I said, the fakest tears. When they're, when they're doing that fucking thing, anything, and he's doing, she's doing the fucking... Uh, you know, that thing with the nunchucks, and you can clearly see it's a fucking man with a wig on. It's so bad. And then later on, when they get into that accident with Rick, and the fucking, they, they, they hit Freddy in the road, and fucking the thing crunches up, you can see on the fucking car the, the fucking tow chain. And, 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 and a fucking Hollywood movie like this, they didn't think to edit out a fucking tow chain on the back of their vehicle that this they saw. This is still considered an independent film, actually. Yeah, okay. That's fair. I'm, I'm, I'm taking other numbers. I got to punch his big... ticket in. <laughs> what a big movie it was they to come gave, out. They gave Rennie Harlan the job because he kept showing up. <laughs> oh, gosh. They said he started to smell. I like how the woman said she uh, she wanted to hire him just so he could have a shower. <laughs> I love soul food. I do like that sequence. Rick, that's, you little meatball. <laughs> that, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Some of the effects are cool. I mean, Kevin Yeager coming back again and Screaming Mad George doing this. You can't really complain about the makeup effects. They're good. I just... Can't make any sense of the plot whatsoever, and it's like I said, it's just too way too jokey. Forty-five minutes into this movie, and we've already gotten like half a dozen one-liners. Where in where in part three, what I say, we were like forty minutes movie before we even really spoke. <laughs> so it, it's a huge difference. That's man. the escalation, man. They saw what happened. They made him a pop icon figure. That's what happened. And then after this, it became Freddy's nightmares. And then they just said we're done. Then the series that was it. Shit. That's it. And then they're like, we've got to make them scary in part five. And when we come back next fucking episode, I'm going to say in their minds, they said they wanted to make them scary in part five. So then what the fuck did they do? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. I, I don't know if you guys have anything else. I'm done. My notes are done. I, I'm tired of it, it, this movie being shit on. Yeah, Dave. I shit on. People love this fuck. Oh, I'm not. People love it. They always say it's the third best in the series. I'm always the, I'm always the bad guy for, for talking shit about it. Well, I'm as, as from tonight's ratings, it is the third best from tonight, and it's a 7 out of 10 for me. I second that. It's the third best from tonight, and it's a 7 out of 10. I don't think it'll ever go higher than that, but it's a solid fun seven out of ten for me despite all its issues and i see them dave i i see them i'm there with you i think you just gotta let go and enjoy it <laughs> i'll go up a little bit more because I, i'll give you kind of the daydream thing and i'll give you i guess 
the fact that she's pulling them into her dreams and I guess they can do it anytime as bad as it is I guess the explanation helps a bit so I'll go up a little bit I'll go up from a fucking four to a four and a half that's the best I can give you if you would ask me a year ago I would have said it was a three so. man interested yeah I could never yeah. see this film being below it's, a five it's just fun it's just fun and I know yeah. where the rest of the series goes I mean, I say that, but I, I, I do owe the remake the official new watch. We'll get to one. Fun. This is fun, though. I'm, I'm really liking it. I, I was a little higher in two. To be honest, I had two in a failing grade. For a long time, it was under a five. So wow. I've, I came up to a six on that one, man. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I find that, you know, it's with, with these franchise films... Even the worst of them, I, I just feel like, are, are watchable. And whenever I feel that way, I, I, I generally don't go below a five on these films. Just because I, I'd rather watch a bad Freddy film than, you know, some mediocre shit that came out two years ago or something. You know what I mean? I do. The, the, the worst of Freddy is still enjoyable. Just like the worst of Jason is still enjoyable, and even the worst of Michael. You know, for me, a lot of it's based upon nostalgia and, yeah. and, and the time period and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, would I rather watch uh, Freddy 4 over um, a movie like Hellions that I gave like a 5 out of 10 from like three years ago? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would. Uh, do I think one's better than the – does Freddy 4 aggravate me more because of what I said about how, how it's very confusing and doesn't make sense to me and downright pisses me off sometimes? Yes, we're a, we're, we're a mediocre movie like Hellions – didn't piss me off. It's yeah. just, okay, it's kind of blah, it's kind of whatever. Well, we, we have That's higher, the difference, I guess. We have higher standards for these Freddy films because they did they did two amazing films in the first three. Yeah. <laughs> two, that, that's it's pretty good. Yeah, you know? I, I've had this discussion with JP before. And he's like, he thinks, you know, maybe you're harder on them because they're franchise films. And I'm like, I don't know. And I think we'll have this discussion with these ones again and with uh, when, when we do Friday. Because, you know, yeah. uh, what I say about Friday 8 being as bad as it is and things like that, it's like, well, would you rather watch this or would you rather watch that? Are you being harder on it because it's a franchise? And I go, I think I am being harder, but for a good reason, though. I think it's stupid to say you could put you could put Robert Englund as Freddy in any movie, and just because of that, we're supposed to accept it and say it's a good movie. No, I, I supposed to put the character of Jason Voorhees in a film, and just because it's Jason and it's called Friday the Thirteenth, we're supposed to automatically say it's good. Yeah, that, you, that's unfair. You get you get more aggravated because you see the potential that that they have because of what they've done before, and right. then they go ahead and they and they kind of fuck it up because you know there's they're bringing in new people every single time. I mean, Wes Craven didn't even want this to be a franchise. He wanted a happy ending, and and the movie would have been you know a ten out of ten, and that would have been it, but. I'm glad they continued it. I just wish they had maybe stayed a little bit closer to one storyline from there on in. But, you know, different directors, <sighs> different writers, and it's just, it happens. Three was a perfect ending to me. It's kind of like Friday the 13th, the final chapter would have been a perfect ending. And I don't say I get any joy, I don't get joy from some of the sequels, but if those if those movies ended right there and they never made other ones, those are like perfect ways to end franchise. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. Here we are. We're having fun, and we'll do it again next time. Yeah, yeah that was yes. the first four, and I'm looking forward to doing the next. No doubt. No doubt. We'll all at least probably be closer to the same page. Although we were for the show until this one, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to. I, I tried not to be so negative, and it, I said because I started being I, I, because Brandon was so pro. I got on the fucking defense. <laughs> you know? Oh, I just wanted you to enjoy it. I really did. I was very happy to hear because. Christian mentioned earlier that he had changed his 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 toot on one of the films, 
And I wasn't sure if it was two or four, but after we gave our ratings for two during our break, I said, Christian, all right, we both came up on four. Because I was never, I don't think I was ever this high on four either, but it's been a while since I've watched these later sequels. Again, I stick to to one and three. Those are the ones I watch. I, mean, I loved four when I saw it in the theater. When I, when I was, uh, I guess I would have been 14 years old and 14 or 15, depending on when it came out. And it was, I remember loving it. You guys were lucky getting to see these in the theaters. My first one, I have said it a million times, is the next one we're going to do next week. Part 5 was the first nightmare I saw in theaters. It was the first horror movie I saw in theaters. That and 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 Freddy and uh, Jason Takes hey, Manhattan. Yeah. yeah, yeah they yeah. came out two weeks apart. July 28th and August 11th of, two, of 1989. Well, I hope when you watch Part 5, you give it the same excuses that you gave Part 4 because it's the same exact thing, basically. <laughs> There's no, there's no difference. You know, what you're going to say about the teens falling asleep for no reason, they do it in part five too. But now that you said, hey, she can pull them in any time, then I hope you apply that to the next week's show. So <laughs> we'll we, sh- we shall see. Yep, keep that in mind when you watch it. I, <laughs> I want to see if you have a seven. But, for oh, oh, you know what? <laughs> I got to be honest. The seven, and I could say this say this with 100% confidence, the seven is, is more of an entertainment rating than anything. For sure, because sure. if you if but you start I'm, I'm nitpicking okay. and taking points away, take a you know half a point away for this, half a point away for that, it, it would definitely be lower. But and I, and I recognize that seven's high, but that's it's a genuine seven enjoyment factor for me. So I can dig it. That's cool. all I got to say about that. Let's get the <laughs> fuck out of Dodge. Good call. All right. We're in a car dealership. <laughs> I haven't haven't made that joke in a while. That's <laughs> <laughs> Somebody liked it. I forgot who. Somebody told me they laughed their ass off the first time they heard that, but the first time. Little... Yeah, th- th- tonight's was a little forced. Tonight was a little bit like Freddy Four, huh? <laughs> <laughs> underlay, underlay, underlay. She does say it. She does say it three times. Uh, she, yeah, she's... she says it once in the first one. She's such a bitch, and then she kills Kristen. She's that's a that's, that's a gut wrenching scene. She's trying to get to the phone to call Alice. Yeah, can't get there. The room is spinning. That's a I like it. Entertaining. Yeah. We already rated the damn thing. Yeah. All right, I'm rating it again. Seven out of ten. <laughs> let's go home. All right, let's go. Let's we'll go see home. you guys. <laughs> we'll see you guys next show. Thanks for listening. We love you all. That's all I got. I got nothing to pimp. I don't know. Good we'll night, talk everybody. To you guys later. Yeah, good night, everybody. See you later.